Good morning, everyone. Hello. It is Sunday, which means it is time for Lorebeards. Welcome back. This is amazing. We have actually done it back to back weeks at the starting at the same time. It's it's a miracle. So <laughs> welcome to the stream, everyone. Uh, we hope you had an excellent week. Uh, there's quite a bit for us to talk about today. Uh, we've got a bunch of Total War stuff. And of course, we've got a uh, fair amount of uh, news regarding other things as well. Um, but first, just to do a quick check-in and stuff. Uh, first of all, look at that, look at the glam up here on Nathan. Look at him. You can see him. Yeah. He's real. He's not a poorly rendered program anymore. He's a, he's an actual person. I'm a real boy now. <clears throat> so uh, so how 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 have you been over the last week? How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, same old, same old. Just obviously dealing with embargoes, embargoes, embargoes. And I decided, you know, this would be the perfect time where it's the most stressful for a Total War creator. Yeah, hey, I'm going to stop smoking. <laughs> 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 yeah, this uh, it's, 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 it's two days in now. I, 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 um, I want to cry. I really want to cry. <laughs> you're, 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 you're kind of in the, the, the hardest part still. Uh, mm. But I, uh, A, I'm proud of you. Um, and you know, it's okay if you don't, uh, not, not that you, I want this to happen, but you know, don't feel bad if, you know, it's, it's about making the longest gaps between times as possible. Yeah. So, you know, be forgiving to yourself. I wish you the best of luck on it. Um, uh, and plus, yeah, I mean, you're already at a hundred percent stress, right? What's the difference between, you can't go any higher, right? That's how it works. Like once you're at, <laughs> the, once you're at the top, you can't go above that. That's how that we all know. That's how that works. Um, but, uh, yeah, good, <laughs> good, good luck with that, man. Um, it's going to be weird. It's definitely going to be weird. Yeah. But, uh, um, so, uh, hopefully, um, that, you know, keep it up. Best of luck with that. But, uh, in like, uh, in total war side of things or hobby, just hop, just outside of that, how, how's the last week been hobby going? Okay. Yeah. A little bit of painting, a little bit of building, uh, sorting out some beast, man. Uh, finishing up a few uh, Tomb Kings because I want to kind of fluff up the army a little bit for battle reports. Uh, just a little bit of work everywhere, making sure I can actually get stuff done, but at this point it's just kind of like, I really don't want to pick up a brush. I, I think it's uh, it, it's the case of, you know, the like we, we've got weekly embargoes at the moment. Right now, there has to be a priority of what is going to get done or not. And I'd rather make it the videos until I start getting back into the uh, the hobby side of things. I think. Yeah. What about you? We we still got about yeah. We definitely got about you know another two weeks of brutality. Um, yeah. Uh, but it'll be uh, it's gonna be really nice if the game comes out. <laughs> you know, every, yeah. uh, everyone watching will be very happy because they'll be playing the game, and we'll be mm -hmm. happy because we can finally stop. <laughs> I can sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing well. Um, uh, you know, just living life. Uh, haven't I didn't get any hobby stuff done, but I've been quite busy with a quite you know just I'm sure like most of us with Total War stuff. Um, I've kind of got I've got a grand tournament looming on the horizon, and I have not touched my army in about a month and a half. Um, mm -hmm. so I need to start getting games in because apparently the meta has shifted a lot over the last ninety days, and I have no idea what it is anymore. Uh, or sorry, last like forty five days. So um. It feels like it's been months since I last played, but I know for a fact I went to a tournament like the last week of November, <laughs> which was not that long ago. But um, things are uh, things are going okay. Um, definitely, 
uh just you know dealing with health stuff still my ulcer yeah. is slowly healing i am doing better i'm almost right. done with my first month of treatment um that pill sucks but uh you know gotta do what you gotta do yeah um but uh yeah i think things are going okay and uh i'm i'm with you i'll be very very happy once the embargoes are done with is like it does i don't know for anyone out there it may not sound stressful but it really is <laughs> it's yeah. super stressful um but in any event uh so you know we're live we're doing okay and that's great so without yeah. further ado uh let's go ahead and hop into the easiest part of what we get to do today uh which is going to be let's check in on how uh submissions so um although the tale of two gamers was not due today uh we i we did have a number of people um submitting the uh lorebeards uh hashtag uh to show off minis that maybe they didn't get to show off uh while we were on hiatus and such like that so i've got a uh, so we're just going to pull up the hashtag um and if you are watching the stream this is your last opportunity uh to hop on this bandwagon um uh, but we're going to pull it up sort by latest and uh i i i for people that posted my discord uh, i grabbed most of you i may have missed one or two people and if so i apologize i'll try and get you next time um and we're gonna take a look at the minis so starting off we've got some uh here by peter uh which is really really cool so what what he sent is he's got a finished mini which is gore oh my god do you see this swordswoman mini do you see the reflection on the sword oh wow what the fuck dude <laughs> what is this what is this absolute flex on oh my god i i'm disgusted by the quality of this mini i'm genuinely upset that, that is wow that is a like already it was a gorgeous paint job because like look at the lighting you could see the lighting from the lantern like on the ground and against her armor and then you see the reflection on the sword like damn peter you didn't have to you didn't have to do us like that <laughs> damn peter great mini uh, and then the one he sent us that's all black, it's primed, is actually a Luther Harkin sculpt that he made, apparently. That is awesome. Uh, I was wondering, because I saw the face, I was like, is that Harkin? Yeah, so I, I'm not sure if if he kitbashed it or 3D printed it exactly. He might, he should be in uh, uh, my Twitch chat, so maybe he'll say. But uh, it, that is a gorgeous mini for Luther Harkin. I mean, he's even got the back spikes and everything. I love the way he's holding his sword. It looks like he's about to throw it at him. Let's <laughs> throw it at somebody. <laughs> very very cool ah oh, man peter all right damn all right next up we got uh that one guy you know jumping in on the warhammer total War warhammer 3 action he sent us a kairos fate weaver who of course we've all been playing around with today and a bellicor model and these are gorgeous i mean these these literally look like they're ripped straight from the army book um the the bellicor mini in particular is just lovingly lovingly crafted mm. um which uh, it's interesting. Uh, I I love this mini so much. I'm still I still have mixed feelings about CA not using this version, um, and using the old version. Like I I know you and I have talked a fair bit about this of that. Like I've come around on it because I feel like this version isn't quite. It, it's more draconic than I think it should be. When yeah. I, when I really think about it, um, considering Bellicor is supposed to be kind of more of a human that has turned, and his old mini I think conveyed that better. Uh, yeah. but but like damn what a good mini like i i really need to get one of these in my collection that painted by someone else because i don't want to 
I don't know what I just switched off. I don't know. What did you switch off? Oh, I'm having one of those days again because I'm just trying to plug, uh, plug in my... Uh... Oh god. Okay, well it sounds like you're fading <laughs> in the distance, so I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> Oh, it's because you are you you're gone. Wait, where did where did you go? Where's my co-caster? Where'd you go? Oh, you're under the desk. What are you doing down there? <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I've I've had to um replug in my, my... Charger for my mouse, but I, I I pulled something out. I just don't know what it was. But uh, oh, I'm I sure it's, it's I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah, everything's working, so it's good. Um, it's it's just like your neighbor's life support. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So, um, uh, moving on, we've got Heos 06 submitting a Chaos Lord on Juggernaut. Uh, very nice. Uh, he went with a really like it's it's a good color scheme. Um, but I, I actually like, um, it's, it's very different than what you typically see in that his, like his main armor is like this really outspoken red and then everything else is black and gold. But in my opinion, red, black, and gold is the most vastly superior mix of colors that you will ever find. Uh, so I have nothing but a uh, round of applause for this with, of course, some nice, really silver accents on the chain mail and the mechanical biddies. Always like the the juggernauts in black. I prefer them to the juggernauts in red. To be honest, it's just they they they, they look more intimidating, don't they? Yeah, I I think the the red color doesn't. I don't think it lends itself as well when used on like mechanical parts. Yeah, as the black does. I don't know why. Uh, then up next, Tybalane sent in a stormtrooper, of all things. And it looks great. Nice. Very clean paint job. I really like the blue alien grass. I love these. Uh, I, I freaking love these uh, these Star Wars minis so much. It's I a really, really nice really dynamic like pose too, where he's like mm. getting a message or something. Sorry, clone trooper. Sorry, sorry, clone trooper. My bad. Listen, I'm only a lore master of one universe, and they're all the same to me. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> oh, this um, is so cool. Then we've got uh, RTK J Phoenix from the RTK clan sending in. So I don't even know what these are. These look like. Um, Night's Watchmen. Yeah, Night's Watchman. Looks like it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, look at the tray where he's got the horses running through the river. So they've got the water feature on their base. Oh, wow. Wow, that looks really... Wow, the water turned out spectacular on this tray and, and the bases. Like, good God. Dude, could you, like, post your water-making tips <laughs> in the paint really chat? Because, nice. damn... I would that love really to have that good of paint. Like, I would love to do something like that for like some of my Nighthawk minis or something. Damn, dude, that very, very nice. So cool. Next up, oh, I really like this one. Hawk Oddly, uh, a beloved member of our community, did a Bray Shaman on a Herdstone, and he's actually standing on the uh, one of the rock. Uh, he's standing on a rock that you can use uh, on the Cygor kit. Um, so perhaps he built a uh, a Gorgon and didn't have anything to do with the big Minhir stones that the Cygors throw. So he's using it on the base for his uh, Bray Shaman. It looks it looks fantastic. Yeah, I quite like that. It's uh, this. I wouldn't imagine that holding up too well, but it does. Like that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm genuinely curious how he secured that, considering like so little of the actual stone is touching much. I'm shocked. Well, I mean, granted, it's plastic, 
but uh yeah like it look it's a very good solid dynamic post uh or uh, uh pose um but like uh man good <laughs> i i wonder how much patience that took yeah next up we've got a uh skull taker good old uzul not the one in archaeon sword but the other one uh, a character who I highly suspect we'll see as a legendary lord until Total War Warhammer 3 in the future. Um, the uh, by very trash uh, on the on the uh, lore seekers Discord, uh, and he did uh, kind of an interesting job or a uh, very interesting uh, scheme with the uh, the skull cape, where it's like they're like bleeding, or there's mm. like blood flowing out from amongst them. Mm. But uh, I, I I'm I his new this is his new sculpt. Um, it man what a what an upgrade for him. Like, his old mini was, um, well, it just wasn't this. <laughs> it wasn't this. I still um, like the old one, to be honest. I think yeah. he's got that really cool pose. Yeah, he's good, but I, I will say the cape is definitely much better on the new the new mini. Oh, definitely, definitely. The, the, the cape of skulls, where he keeps all the one he's beat. But uh, yeah, great job, Very Trash. Keep, keep at it, dude. Uh, next up, we've got a Thorg, a classic... Thorgrim Grudge Bearer Mini. And the person who posted this, uh, um, uh, Oathstone mentioned that the one where Thorgrim is all, like, gray and stuff, that's not before he painted him, apparently. That seems to be, like, an alternate where it's, like, Ghost Thorgrim. Or, like, Ethereal, like, Thorgrim after he's died, but still leading the dwarves. But, like, I, I miss this mini so much. Mm -hmm. Um, like probably this is probably one of the minis I am the most excited for for Warhammer the Old World is getting um Thorgrim or um oh god who was the who was the High King before Thorgrim uh Alrickson, I think um getting getting just getting the throne of power back with update with like modern sculpting because I love this mini but my only issue with it is that like Thorgrim has the he's the old school version where the dwarves are like super, they're just so scrunched. Um, Cause GW didn't really fit in my opinion, didn't find a way to print good dwarf minis until like eighth edition fantasy, um, uh, which has carried on into AOS. But like, I oh God, I want a reprint of this mini so bad with today's like sculpting abilities. It is really, really good. I feel. Uh, yeah. Uh, then next up, Rowan the Accused has submitted uh some more custodies. Oh, yeah. okay. So so the we saw these last week, but he's he's furthered his progress on them. Um I think this is a Yeah, yeah. Last week, but the the walker is new, isn't it? Yeah, the it? walker's new. Um yeah. but oh look at that barbed wire on the base. Mm. Oh dude, look at the blade. Cool. The blades look on the uh on all of them they look fantastic but especially the walker um i, I think the camera just caught it um very nicely um yeah. but, ugh, those edges oh man. no different units different units oh they're different units okay yeah they look slick though like i i love the metallics he uses they look abs they're so clean we talked about this last week the metallics he's using and the way he uses them my god they're clean yeah, no, it is really cool. Plus, you know, it, it is very difficult with custodies to make them look nice because they're generally just gold and that's it. But you've got, like, that silver really helps. 
Yeah, I've, I've really noticed nice. that with Custodes and Stormcasts. Like, I really don't like Games Workshop's, like, absolute base form where they're just, like, drowning in gold. It doesn't look good. I really don't. I much prefer when they use, like, um, silver or black as the base and yeah. then have gold, silver accents. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's just I, so much better. Yeah, I will say those blue blades really tie the whole thing together and the blue gems. Like, the, the gold and silver... I think it's helped out so much by that those deep blue blades and then the the dark red um plumes. It looks very nice. Cool. Uh yeah. and then uh we've got an uh-oh and the uh-oh is it's Sigvald and Nagash. Uh-oh. <laughs> Man, there's a there's a rivalry that's going down and uh, uh we're, we're we're probably going to see build up an AOS at some point seeing as Nagash chucked Sigvald's soul into a soul into a mirror for few hundred thousand years or however long it's been uh but man that new sigvald mini ah mwah. like it's, it's great pose he looks great i love that he pulled a valkia where he looks like he's a demon prince because he's got mutations but he's not a demon prince he's just like a better mortal <laughs> so i i've not caught up with a lord if i sound weird it's because i'm going under my table for a sec can you explain to me what the hell's going on with Sigvald and AOS? Because like I've not caught up. I okay, I'm gonna, give you, I'm gonna give you the TLDR version. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the 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 abridged version is that after Sigvald dies in Warhammer Fantasy, his soul you know scatters to the void. But unlike the rest of the Dark Gods, Slanesh was too busy gorging on Elven souls and worrying about himself that he basically abandoned all of his champions, which is supposedly why. We don't see Nakari, at least right now, and we also don't see Sigvald for a really long time in AOS, uh, is that Slash didn't care. He abandoned all of his champions uh, because he was focused on himself, and then he gets caught. Um, so Nagash, after Nagash is resurrected in Age of Sigmar, one of the first things Nagash does is he goes around gathering up people from the old world to serve as his new Mortarks, and he, mm. he draws out four big guys to be his big new lieutenants from the old world, which is that he resurrects Manfred von Karstein, Neferata, yeah. Ushorin, and um, Arkad the Black. Um, but he couldn't find Krell. And we don't know why he couldn't find Krell, but for some reason he couldn't find him. So Krell seems to be permanently dead, And but Nagash remembers Krell, and he's so butthurt about, which understandably, if I lost something like Krell, I would be very upset too. Um, because he could not get Krell back, he was able, however, to find Sigvald. So Nagash grabs Sigvald's soul and decides, instead of just, like, obliterating him into dust, um, decides to punish him instead. So what he does is he takes a mirror of something known as Shade Glass, which is this, like, eternal... It, it's basically, like... Um, if you, so the Shaiish realm stone, which is like the magic, it's like warp stone, but if it was made purely out of death magic, um, so like the, the purified solid essence of death magic in AOS is known as, um, is this purple sand. And if you take a whole bunch of it together and heat it up and put it under a lot of pressure, it turns into glass, just like in our world. And that glass is called shade glass and it has a lot of crazy properties. And so what Nagash does as an FU to Sigvald is he traps his soul in a mirror um, a shade glass mirror and curses him that whoever looks in the mirror will see their best possible selves in the reflection. So they will basically kind of get stuck in a, uh, whatever that Greek uh, guy is that 
uh, stares at himself until he dies. Uh, that's basically what it does to you is that oh, it, okay. you look in the mirror and you will get addicted to seeing it. So, but Sigvald is aware and sentient within the mirror. So he's been spending eternity essentially being a looking glass of people admiring themselves instead of admiring him or him allowing him being able to bask in his own um, appearance, which is Sigvald's favorite thing. So it was actually a pretty fun, fitting punishment for Sigvald. However, mm. uh, during second edition AOS, um, as Slanesh's power is rising a little bit due to shenanigans going on, uh, Sigvald, uh, his mirror gets found by some dwarfs who find, or Dwarden, who find it very, very cool, and they take it back with them, but before they can get it to where they're going, they get ca they get killed um, by a whole bunch of worshippers of Slanesh, who think the mirror is super cool, and one of them, because of Slanesh's rising power and the fact that he's a Slaneshy cultist, can kinda, like, is vaguely aware there's a sentience to the mirror, and Sigvald, uh, through a series of shenanigans, uh, he ends up performing a ritual to shatter the mirror and it and bring Sigvald out of it. Um, so Sigvald once more manifests and he's back. But uh, after being all that time in the mirror, um, uh, he comes back and uh, kind of takes advantage of Slaanesh's growing power in the world. And due to his death and now resurrection, he's changed a little bit, which is why he has demon horns. Um, and he has, we know that he has two mutations or two things is he's got these horns that he really likes and then somewhere hidden under Sigvald's armor uh he has a wound on his body he has a horrible hideous scar that he's hiding and doesn't want anyone to know about that he got from Krell and uh it's his like it's his the one thing he's most terrified of anyone finding out about because Sigvald you know thinks himself a paragon of perfection um and now Sigvald is running around um looking helping look for slanesh while also uh just killing people and he's back to being a really cool special character and uh the coolest thing about him is that sigvald is actually terrifying in tabletop because he's one of the only characters who ignores ward saves oh. so he'll run up to gotrek gurnison and stab him in the face and gotrek will instantly die <laughs> Uh, so he's he's still mortal. Uh, yes, would he be? He's he's Demonkin. He's he's essentially been Valkyified. So he's still right. a mortal, but like he's so hilariously above being mortal that he might as well be a demon. He's a demon prince that can die. Interesting. But uh, he looks great, and oh, yeah, uh, I'm really glad he's back in the setting. We got a really really cool story, a short story about him where he met one of Slanesh's new special characters who's the embodiment of gluttony glutos uh glutos or skillion and the mm. two of them hated each other <laughs> because Sig he thought sigvald was a arrogant stupid pretty boy and sigvald thought he was a disgusting fat slob and uh they were trying <laughs> to work together while also trying to kill each other and it's a really good story um oh, and then out. our last post for today is from flame train who is showing off uh, this sweet demon boy who looks like I, he looks like a corrupted space marine. I know he's a special character. I remember when oh, yeah. this model got released, but I don't remember what his name is. This is a 30k model. Yeah, Horus yeah. Heresy. Um, someone in chat will know who this is. Like, it's it's beautiful. It looks great. Um, I He did a really good job. Uh, he definitely used contrast paints. I can tell based on the flesh, but it looks very, very good. I love this miniature. This one looks this this looks so fucking. Oh, cool. Dude, look at the guts from the Space Marine. <laughs> wow, he did a really good job on that. This is Argol awesome. Tall, one of the word bearers. Thank you, chat. 
It took him. Oh, he's he's here. Uh, took him seven hours to paint him. That's not bad. Eh? For seven hours, that looks really good. That's like fucking hell. Like the wings. Look at the uh, like the model is so cool because it's got like some vein accents there mm -hmm. with the wings. It's just so grim. I love it. I fucking love it. Oh, I'm I, love, really I love his spine is like pressing out from the back of his armor. Like that. Mm. This is a good looking mini. Oh, you're right. Argyle Tall is a bad boy. Am I right? It's literally in the tweet. I can't read chat. Y'all should know that. That's so cool, though. That is so cool. That like, looks the, great. These, uh, the, the characters that come out for fucking 30k are just so much cooler than the ones that come out for, for 40k. I'll tell you what, man. If they ever do like a big Tyranid range refresh and like 40k kind of gets its stuff sorted out, because uh, I know rules-wise they're having some issues right now, I would, I would kill... Uh, or I, I will I will definitely use contrast paints to paint a Tyranid army, because uh, it just it just seems like a natural um thing to do. Like it, it looks so good on these like fleshy bits. Yeah, definitely, it looks really really good. I love it. It is so nice. All right, uh, real quick, I'm just gonna make sure there weren't any last second additional I submissions. Believe, I believe there were. Oh, we got one from we Ray one. here. All right, this is the last one we're going to do for today. So from Ray, we got... Oh! Oh! Yeah, it's very similar. Oh, nice! They've got a... Um... Oh, God, what is her name? Uh, Yndrasta. they got a Yndrasta. Oh, I love her mini. She's such a good mini. You're making good progress, dude. This is... Uh... I actually really like... I don't know what mini this is. The dude with the... Like, it looks like a custody. I guess. Uh, I think this is from the new box where it's, uh, isn't it Custodes versus Gene Steeler Cults? Yeah. I think it is. I mean, it's, a, it's pretty. It is a very nice model. You're, this, you are definitely, uh, I would, I would guess looking at these, um, newer to the paint scene, uh, just because of the, um, mm -mm -mm, that's the word I'm looking for. The, the color selection in that there's like a handful of colors that are used very, very well. Um, this is a great starting point. Like these are turning this, out, you got some really clean stuff done, especially on Yandrasta. It's a, a Custodes blade champion. All right. So it is Custodes. It is nice. One of the nicest uh, Custodes minis. Cause I'll be honest, a lot of them look kind of boxy, but this one looks, this yeah, one looks kind uh, of bad yeah. yeah. He doesn't look nearly as, um, I think you and I are thinking the same thing. It doesn't look nearly as bulky as yeah. the uh, the other ones do. Yeah, very, very nice miniature. Very, very nice. Yeah, and I, I like I, the, the blue sword. I love Yandrasta. Yandrasta has a lovely mini, and she's a very strong character right now in Age of Sigmar. Um, she is a very, very solid monster slayer. Um, so I hope you get some great gains with her on the table, but I think this is an excellent starting point. Uh, definitely would, uh, if, if you're looking for, uh, feel free to ignore this next part if you don't give a shit, but, uh, definitely would recommend picking up some, um, uh, shades when you can, like Known Oil or Agrax Earthshade, uh, to really take some of this to the next level, but it's looking really, really good. Um, great starting point. Keep at it. Yeah, that's, uh, honestly, very, very nice miniature. Very, very nice miniature. All right. And that is going to be it for today. Uh, for that, that's the podcast. We're done. Uh, that, that's going to be it for uh, uh, Tale Two Gamers. Uh, just a reminder that the theme is character. Uh, we will be wrapping up the character theme not next week, but the week after. So not the sixth of February, but the third. 
13th of February, I think. 13th, yeah. Yeah, so uh, on the 13th of February, um, if you are participating in Tale of Two Gamers, your new finished character mini will be due. Um... What? No, uh, no, never mind. Yeah, 13th is fine. Remember, because okay. like, we have something else planned. Yes, but it's not on the 13th. <laughs> it's on a different day. I thought it was. I thought it was. Yeah. Can't can't talk about that yet. <laughs> so anyway, moving on. Um, there's your hint, chat, where we can't say anything more. There it is. All right. So um, moving on. Um, let's go on to today's who would win. And I, I, speci I specifically picked an answer just to torture chat um, yeah. and everyone in the community, especially because... Well, I'll I'll get into this later. I I saw something that were was not meant for mortal eyes, and I can't I can't undo. You saw that same picture too, the the, the one was was she standing in in a weird position? No, what are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I I've seen some weird fan art pop up lately, L man. Listen, the... I've seen some great <laughs> fan art pop up recently. Um, no, I'm uh I'm talking about uh, okay, I'll I'm. I'm gonna reference it, and I'm not. I'm not going any more specific because I don't want to hurt people by making them aware of it. I've read a story because I saw someone memeing about it, and uh, someone I know like mentioned it to me. I was like, "Have you seen this story?" And I was like, "What story?" And then I found it. And I was like, "Why is this so well written? I hate how well written this is. Like, it's I like." whatever it's smut like smut's fine i'm totally cool with it and all that stuff but this was like eloquent smut <laughs> i was like what is this it's supposed to have bad grammar why is this written so well anyway um so uh we're gonna be doing meow ying versus emric of kalidor uh the the ultimate dragon boy versus the uh the dragon of the storm dragon of the north and uh let's let's just hop right into it so in one corner we've got meow ying uh she is of course the the she seems to be the most dangerous uh of the nine dragon children uh depending on how you look at it um she could change form we know that she has a human form in which that she is uh, a very skilled martial artist, and she has significantly powerful magical abilities. She's able to pull from the lore of life and the lore of yin uh, to great effectiveness, uh, which makes her a fairly deadly combatant, and she can also heal herself, but she can also turn into a dragon. And when she turns into a dragon, she turns into this big, scary, black-scaled dragon that has got all sorts of lightning stuff around it, and she is not notably is not able to use magic nearly as effectively in this form uh the only spells that the dragons seem to be able to use in dragon form tends to be spells that kind of correspond with their nature as dragons being that uh meow ying is able to use her big old talons of the night spell and her brother i think uses like the constellation or like the fire breath spell and maybe the constellation of the dragon now whether now it make it it's i would say it's probable that they can use magic fairly effectively in dragon form. That's more of a gameplay thing. Uh, but we don't have confirmation of that at this time. Uh, so as far as best we could tell, their magic seems to be more limited uh, when they are in 
dragon form. But she is still a very powerful combatant in dragon form. She can fly utilizing magic. She does not require wings to fly, so there's no easy way to stop her from flying by attacking her wings or some uh, any of those uh, systems. And she is a very serpentine dragon, so she's able to do lots of nasty flips and smack you with her tail and hit you with lightning bolts. And she also seems to have kind of a lightning breath attack. Uh, are you are you okay, Nathan? Are you all right? Sorry, yeah, sorry, do, do you need a minute? <laughs> it's 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 the weird matchup. Uh. <laughs> I, it, I'm not even into the weird part yet. Like like Emmerich's the weird one in this matchup. Emmerich makes it weird, which is why we're doing it. So in the other corner, we've got Emmerich, the 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 golden child of Kalidor. The boy who was destined to be great because he was named after one of the best Phoenix Kings we ever had, Emmerich, who of course changed his name to Kalidor the First um, after he became Phoenix King. So Emmerich, uh, known as the uh, Master of Dragons, is a very sh genuinely, shockingly skilled combatant. Um, Emmerich is up there with Tyrion when it comes to just skill with weapons. Uh, he, unlike Miao Ying, he does actually get to bring some magic items to the table. Uh, he has the Star Lance, which is infamous for being a terrifying weapon that although, uh, you know, he's only able to use it very, very effectively on, you know, when going into a, uh, on a charge, um, he's very good at doing that on Manathnir because he gets to stay airborne and can essentially do kind of cycle charge scenarios but is able to deal a very significant amount of damage if he can land a blow with that lance. Um, it ignores armor. It doesn't give a damn. I don't care what your armor is made out of, unless it is like super hardcore magically enchanted, that thing's going through. Um, and it's going to hurt. And it's difficult to break. It's a very, very powerful magic item. He also has the dragon horn, uh, which the dragon horn is not really going to be relevant to this particular battle. Um, it's more of a item that is uh, specified for armies um, when he's trying to like rally his soldiers or frighten enemy soldiers and stuff like that. Gets me out Ying, it's not going to do much. Um, of course, he rides on Manathnir, uh, his big scary dragon, and Manathnir is no ordinary dragon. He is a star dragon. Uh, and even among star dragons, Manathnir is a big boy. He's one of the oldest dragons that the High Elves can still awaken to do battle. And he is a terrifyingly strong individual. Very, very powerful, nasty star breath or starfire breath. And of course, is more than capable of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with greater demons because he's just strong. And he's tough. And he can take a lot of hits. So the two of them will have to work together in order to overwhelm Miao Ying's um magical abilities and her own little tricks. It is worth noting that Miao Ying is considerably older uh, than probably either of them. Uh, Manathnir is a star dragon, so he's definitely many thousands of years old. But from what context clues we have, it seems that Manathnir was probably hatched more like probably like 5,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. Whereas Miao Ying is well into the 7 plus category. Because um, Miao Ying actually got to be around before the Great Cataclysm. So, uh, those are the matchup. Now, there's one thing that's critical to this debate that we have to talk about, and it's weird because of the stupid shipping, which is the Master of Dragons rule. So, Emmerich, due to his bloodline, uh, and the fact that he is very, very gifted at something known as the Dragon Song, 
um, which is something that was invented by Calder the First, uh, or not, sorry, not Calder the First, Calder Dragon Tamer, which was like the wizard Calador who's stuck in the vortex. The Dragon Song is a very, very, very powerful enchantment where basically the elves are able to, it's not really like a, it doesn't tend to be a literal song. It's more of a reference to like a magical aura. You could think of it that way. That basically allows the elves of Kalidor to attempt to dominate dragons just through kind of this sheer willpower that they're able to exert through the dragon song. And the dragon song was used in the past to dominate dragons against their will. Uh, it didn't go well, but they did do that once, um, and it got ugly when that dragon suddenly was not under control anymore. It did not go well for every anybody involved, <laughs> but uh, it can be used to do that. Um, there's even been evidence of it being used to dominate merworms um, during the War of the Beard. So the question is, because it would just instantly end this fight, and I'm, I'm asking this to Nathan because we're going to discuss it now. Nathan, yeah. do you think the Master of Dragons, the Dragon Song, would work on Meow Ying. Well, it's kind of tough, though, because all, all former lore would point to it working. But then when we started, uh, when we had our big interview with Andy and we started talking about the subspecies and so on, they seem to be more powerful than standard dragons. Right, and, and, and I, I kind of had a similar crisis where it's like, we know for a fact the Dragon Song works on dragons, merworms, mm -hmm. even the, like, pissed-off ancient dragons of the old world, but it's western beasts that yeah. are all tied to that common ancestor, right? But the thing is, is that we can't say for certain, and I would actually go go ahead and argue that based on our discussions with Andy Hall and what little tidbits of lore we've been able to gain from him, I, I don't think it would work on Meow Ying because I think they're too different of a species. And it's also worth noting that Meow Ying herself can wield magic. And I, do, I think that the Dragon Song would not be as effective, or at least it would really struggle to work on something like Meow Ying. And we also should note that just because it makes it, uh, generally speaking, it prevents a dragon from attacking Emric. Not necessarily his dragon. So Meow Ying could go after Manathnir. They have a big fight. And then if she manages to slay Manathnir, assuming that doesn't just kill Emric instantly if they're in the sky, but assuming Emric survives that fall, Meow Ying could turn into a human mm. and fight him then. And then it would have absolutely no effect. Because she is biologically human at that point. To the point that she can even mate and have kids with other humans. Which dragons definitely can't and shouldn't do. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird thing. Like, you know, if anyone from GW is watching, you know, give us the book so we can understand it a little better. Yeah, it's it's critical. <laughs> like, you're making, like, man, we can't even have good discussions. Y'all have to send it to us. Like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's really critical. It's, it's needed now. Mm -hmm. it, yep. It's just, it, it's very strange because they're supposed to be. They, well, as far as we were aware, they're just different things, uh, a different subspecies, but the power level's different. And then it makes me wonder, like, w because obviously w the way we always fought, like, the biggest, strongest were what? Star dragons and emperor dragons, right? Because emperor dragons could uh, 
could wield loads of magic and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yep. They, could, they could be a, a level four wizard as far as we were. Yep. So every time I look at Miao Ying and all that, it's kind of like, fuck, like, where is this power level? Where, with that? And if she's so strong and the brother's so strong, how, how strong are the parrots? I, I, so I would definitely say that based on what evidence we have, Miao Ying is on par with an emperor class dragon. Um, but, uh, I, the, and this is where I think the fight's going to get interesting. So let's, let's, for the sake of it, not just like instantly being overdue to a kind of a gimmick, assume that her ability, uh, we'll, we'll kind of give it halfway, right? Let's, let's be fair. Let's not remove Emmerich's ability. Let's say that if Meow Ying is in her dragon form, she can't attack Emmerich directly, but she can still attack Manathir. And if okay. she's in her human form, she can attack Emmerich. Okay. So the thing is, I think the Cathayan dragons are would be considered emperor class due to their age, due to their magical abilities. But the thing is about the Cathayan dragons is I think physically, I actually think they're weaker than their Western cousins. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're much skinnier and so on. They yeah, they're much like smaller. Um, yeah. Like like they're definitely strong, and I think they could like throw down with them fairly. But uh, I do think. Um, when we're dealing with, uh, like, so now going into the, let's kind of deal with this initial big matchup of, okay, Meow Ying has to deal with Manathir. So with Emric riding Manathir, able to lend aid by stabbing with the Dragon Lance. And of course, Emric does have very good armor protecting him. Um, it's not in, it's unfortunately his armor is more designed to deal with Dragon Fire. So Meow Ying's lightning is not, is probably going to be pretty good for, you know, hurting him. If she could hit him with it, uh, yeah. but the two of them have actually fought a lot of really terrifying enemies over the years. You know, they fought greater demons. Uh, Malekith is terrified of Emric. Malekith refuses to fight him, yeah. um, for good reason. And Emric is kind of seen as this indomitable force um, in Ulthuan, uh, in that there really hasn't been a creature that's able to been able to go toe to toe with him and survive. Yeah, like when it when it comes to just pure raw damage output. Emmerich is literally the top tier combat enemy in Ulthuan. Like, even Tyrion cannot unleash as much devastation as Emmerich can. Yeah. Um, just because he rides a dragon. So It's also very important for people who might not read the books and might not be into the tabletop stuff where you get more context. Because obviously Total War Warhammer gives you a little bit of stuff, but like the power levels aren't really showcased in the game as well as they are in lore. No, yeah, no. Everyone's much more balanced otherwise the game would be stupid <laughs> yeah. um like no one i don't i don't know how many people want to play a game where lord mazda mundi just like like does this and a settlement just blows up <laughs> yeah. um so uh let's let's so let's let's focus on battle begins Yao Ying's up in the air she's a dragon form nathir and emrick are up in the air he's got his lance ready throwdown happens how are you feeling about it uh can she cast? Let's say she can. Maybe her magic is stronger in human form, but she still can. But we know she can cast in dragon form. All right. Uh, I don't know if she can cast, but then again, her spells are quite defensive, so it's not really going to be too aggressive. Uh, I don't know, man. I still think that Imric could go in and do quite a lot because big dragon, extra help with two attacks and going into one. She'll have to heal, but 
she can't really it is, she doesn't really have a lot of damage output does she does she doesn't have a lot of energy. no her her spells do rely they they are you're right they're very reactionary or defensive focused like she can yeah. definitely do things to make herself tougher um you know with like flesh to stone type spells uh and she can heal herself and the lore of yin is kind of a lore that focuses around obfuscation right you know mm -hmm. she could cast spells that make manathir much much slower and manathir is already pretty slow um, like Miao Ying's definitely gonna have the speed advantage in a dragon on dragon fight, though Emmerich himself is absurdly quick. Mm. So, you know, it we have kind of this clash of Manathnir versus Miao Ying is that classic matchup of strength versus speed. But Emmerich does kind of help narrow that gap because he himself is very, very fast, very skilled, and he's gonna be able to land some of those lance hits. Dude knows yeah. what he's doing, he specializes and fighting against other draconic-sized entities. Mm. Um, however, Miao Ying, as we've noted, does have the ability to heal herself, and uh, as but and Manathir and Emric won't. So any damage Manathir or Emric are taking, that's that sticks. Whereas any damage Miao Ying takes, she can actually heal and regenerate a bit. So it kind of comes down to: Do you think that Emric and Manathir working together would be able to land a telling blow? on Miao Ying to take her down and like like really take her down so that she wouldn't be able to heal um or do you think that Miao Ying would be able to keep them at enough of a distance uh and kind of like keep the fight even enough that she would be able to sustain her way through it I don't know man like if, if we go by it this way like if we look at it uh Imric is trained to deal with big beasties he's likely been prepared because he is aware, like the, the elves would still be aware of what leads Cafe and what defends Cafe and so on. So he's likely been studying them any way he can. Oh yeah, and we and we know there are elven colonies in Cathay. Like there are, yeah. there are elves that live there, and they exactly. trade with Cathay quite often. So yes, he would. I, there's no way he would not be aware of them. He's definitely got eyes and ears there, and he knows what they're capable of. I'd say if he can just basically slam his dragon into her, she's kind of gone. No, <laughs> phrasing. Um, no, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah, I can absolutely see where you're coming from. I, I do have the poll up in, in my chat as we're kind of discussing. If you want to get the poll up in yours, uh, just yeah, yeah. see how people are feeling about it. But um, so, uh, kind of coming down to it, so uh, we're kind of arriving at this critical point. Who are you gonna pick for the winner, and why specifically? Like, what, what are this? What's the situation you think would play out for why that person would win? Uh, raw brute strength coming from a very old dragon and an elf being trained up to basically deal with big monsters. I'd have to go with Imric, and I, I just kind of see it that way. I don't like elves, believe me. I do not like high elves, but <laughs> I think Imric is a badass, and he's always been a fucking badass. So yeah. he and, gets my vote. Yeah, I, I can absolutely see that. Like, you have Miao Ying, you know, Manathir flying through the skies, Manathir has dealt with, like, Mathir is used to dealing with faster opponents because he slows balls, because <laughs> he's just old. Um, and uh, it, he and uh, elven, high, elven dragons, the older they get, the slower they tend to get, but they also get much tougher and stronger. Um, uh, it's kind of the trade-off, is that they get much larger, but because of that, they're not as quick-blooded as they used to be. So you have this showdown, you know, the two of them fly up into the sky and Miao Ying's blasting them with magic. But of course, Manathir is very, very tough, can sustain through it. 
His fire, she's able to regenerate through that, if not outright dodge it. The lightning shoots, Manathir can tank it and protects Emmerich. And then you get that critical moment where the two of them start, you know, Manathir or Miao Yang manages to grab a hold of the other. You have this big duel breaking out, and then Emmerich's able to throw that, thrust that lance forward and pierce her, you know, pierce her heart or pierce her throat or something and kill her. Um, but, uh, and I'm going to take, because it's tradition, the contrarian opinion. I think Miao Ying would come out on top. Not in that sense. In that, I think, the thing about Miao Ying is I think her magic would be the absolute key to her claiming victory because we know how devastating magic is. And Miao Ying is one of the very rare characters who is that level of strength while still being a wizard, uh, which is fairly rare in fantasy. Typically, wizards aren't the best in combative scenarios or they rely on some kind of steed or mount or creature uh, but she, you know, she's a, she's the whole package. And I think for her, she has also spent the last seven plus thousand years fighting greater demons and probably fighting rogue dragons that have, like, I bet she's fought chaos dragons that come out of the north. I bet they've fought um, all sorts of just horrible, nasty things. And at the Great Bastion, she probably has more combat experience than any of her siblings. Uh, so with Miao Ying, you kind of have this situation of she has more combat experience than Manathnir and Emric. And I think she would be able to use that to her advantage along with her superior speed and agility and with her more serpentine form. If all she really has to do to gain a huge advantage is take out Manathnir's wings. Manathnir's wings are a pretty vulnerable spot, especially because he's not really like the best at dodging. He's more of like a hard tanker. And, it's, and granted, she'd have to deal with Emmerich stabbing her every once in a while, but she can heal through that using her uh, magic, especially because Emmerich doesn't have any magic of his own to turn the tide and stop her. So if she's able to sustain herself through those Starlands pokes, she's I genuinely think her main focus would be to shred Manathnir's wings, force him down to the ground, and that's going to give her such a key advantage in being able to just lash down at them and strike, retreat, strike, retreat, strike, retreat, and without them being able to fly, any damage that happens to them is going to stick. And I think that's what would inevitably doom them. And as soon as Emmerich's by himself, uh, all she has to do is turn into human form and then just, you know, magic him, talons of the night him, and he, he would get ripped, ripped to pieces. Especially because the poor, the poor boy has a big old giant freaking lance that is not going to work on foot. Like, yeah. yeah, he carries a sword in case the lance shatters or something. But, you know, yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, that's how we ended up. My chat ended up 63% in favor of Miao Ying being victorious. I've got 58% in favor of Miao Ying. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. So, uh, great discussion. I'm so glad we could shatter everyone's ship um, and, and make them kill each other. It's yeah. great, you know, the, oh, this... refreshing it up a little, add a little spice. <laughs> there, there, there was a, a lot of weird stuff going out with that. I, I don't get these these ships that happen. I really, really don't. I... Dude, this, like, this is tame <laughs> compared to what exists in the Warhammer fan community. Oh, Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, this is, at least this one's, like, vaguely plausible. <laughs> I've seen the weird shit on 4chan. I've, I've, I've seen it. it. It's strange. Yeah. So like, listen. Like, I it is it is it 
I don't know why. Well, no, I know exactly why people latched onto it so hard, but it's it, I do find it funny. But hey, yeah. I mean, to be fair to the shippers, Gates Workshop did literally come out and say, hey, we created dragon creatures that could turn into hot humans. And they, in the canon, have entire harems that have lasted for thousands of years to produce so many kids that it's a generic lord choice. <laughs> like, damn, man. <laughs> um that it is that's uh, prime that's prime shipping material right there someone in gw was um very frustrated for a while I so think. someone in gw has been watching too much anime yeah. um <laughs> but uh in any event uh that's gonna be it for who would win today uh i apologize to rodrigo if he decides to draw a picture <laughs> for this week um so in any event uh let's move on to some other topics so the yeah. next thing is, of course, uh, you good? Uh, I was going to say, right before, let me get some water. This whole no smoking thing for two days. I've been drinking pints and pints and pints. Yeah, just one sec. Ugh. So proud of him. I know that I can't, like, I know that's so hard. I can't even imagine. Never touched a cigarette in my life, but I, you know, know people, I know a lot of people that have. I hope, you, you know. There we go. All right. All good? Yep. Okay. So, um, first topic uh, for today is, of course, uh, a new week has passed. A Thursday has passed, which means a new embargo has dropped. And now, mm -hmm. me and Nathan can talk about Nurgle and Zinch. So, yeah. uh, Nathan, who would you like to start with, and what are your thoughts so far? Uh, but either way, both is good. Uh, we'll start off with Nurgle, because I was actually quite... Um... Surprised with Nurgle. How so? Well, obviously, it's a very different style of campaign. Your buildings, uh, God, that was that was kind of weird to get used to at the beginning, because obviously yeah, so, it's so different. Yeah. So for anyone that hasn't caught a stream, um, the way Nurgle works is he's very unique. Uh, he's probably probably the most unique faction in the game now, um, which is that Nurgle does not build buildings in a traditional sense. Um, what? Well, he does, but it stops there. So Nurgle settlements, you build a single structure that is very expensive. Um, but once it is built, the building upgrades itself for free every like three to four turns or five turns, depending on where you are in your campaign, what upgrades you have. And every time the building evolves, it will gain some, it, its effects will change a little bit, like they'll get a little stronger. And whatever unit is applied to that building will drop into your recruitment pool. And as it evolves, um, eventually it'll reach a point where it resets back to the first stage and starts all over. So you have these cyclical buildings where you, all you do is you build the very first building and then that's it, your hands off for the rest of the campaign. You just let it cycle. The only thing you gotta do is by upgrading the main building in the settlement, you allow the cycle to go longer and longer. Uh, if it has that available. So for instance, there's a building that like gives you plague bearers. But once you get your main settlement battle uh, building up to like tier three, it reaches the point where it can cycle long enough that you start getting exalted plague bearers. Um, and it's, it's a very interesting, but strange system. Mm -hmm. um, I like it because I, I do like it a lot. It's very, very different. Um, and it's certainly not like, OP by any means, just because the base buildings are so expensive. Like, yeah. I think the cheapest ones are like 
2500 for like your basic bitch infrastructure buildings but like the, yeah. the most basic military is 5k and then for like the good ones it's either 10k or 15 which is yeah. very very pricey so there's a way to kind of work around that though um actually this was from monsters abound uh because we were discussing when we finally started playing as nurgle and uh you can kind of work against that quite early on if you go into the realm of Sanesh and take the gift. You can get a lot of money from it. That's true, but you can do that with any campaign. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I genuinely... We'll, we'll come back to that. We'll, co we'll come back to the realm of Slanesh. Uh, well, I'll, we'll just hash it out now. I will say, I think it's the best realm by far because it actually challenges the, the player. Not yeah. because it's difficult, uh, like, gameplay-wise, but because the choices are genuinely tempting. <laughs> Yeah, it's literally how fucking greedy are you? Like, there, it's not difficult in a traditional sense. It's difficult for you, the person, not mm. gameplay-wise, which I think is just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant game design. Mm. It, it's uh, it, it was definitely very different, but it does help with Nurgle uh, if you're trying to get some stuff built up. It's uh, I was surprised because obviously that was that the case. Nurgle's also really slow, but uh, they can pack a punch. They can pack a punch. Yeah, one one thing that was interesting is I, I think a lot of us were kind of expecting Slanesh to be the super hardcore armor-piercing faction, but that's not really the case. Nurgle is kind of like the kingpin of armor-piercing. Um, Slanesh's units, from what we've seen in the mixed roster, seems to be more just like raw weapon damage, mm -hmm. um, but which I think makes sense for the game, for a switch, uh, because Nurgle is so slow that like you just you need a way to deal with armor um, yeah. because you like, you don't have any shooting. You don't have any chariots. Uh, you don't have any like crazy fast cavalry that are also like super high tier. Like you got a bunch of fat boys. <laughs> um, but uh, like, have, have you been enjoying the campaign? Like the roster? Like, do, do, is there anything besides the buildings that's kind of stuck out to you? Uh, well, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's different. Um, it's kind of, I think it's also been the one, the one campaign which I've been like, ooh, I need to see if I want, if I want to actually make it a great unclean one or I want to stay as a herald because at least the herald can fly, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely probably has one of the most extreme choices there. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I will say there, there are a number of things I really, really like about how they did Nurgle. Uh, I do like Nurgle's sustainability is just nuts. Um, like the health he had, like Nurglings have like eight thousand health <laughs> or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. He also has he's the only demon that has like tons and tons of healing thanks to his lore of magic. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, he also has death magic, which is a very nice. It actually combos very nicely with the lore of Nurgle, um, mm -hmm. stacking those two together. Lore of Nurgle is great. Uh, I, I actually all the demon lores are solid, but yeah. um, the some of the big standouts for me are uh, Kugoth. I I love Kugoth. Starting mm -hmm. off with an artillery lord at rank one, that's it's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, especially for Nurgle, because you need it. And I also like that he could fire while moving. So, like, mm -hmm. because your army is so slow, um, it's not unusual for the AI to play defensively and kind of wait for you. Uh, mm -hmm. So with Kugoth, it's actually not as bad as it would be, because as you're moving towards the enemy, he's chucking Nurglings the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, and um, he's he's interesting. Uh, yeah. I will say, I think the only thing that stood out to me with Nurgle is that he doesn't seem to have any anti-large at all. At all, yeah. Like, 
the army is well rounded. Like you've got some decent shock troops, even with the um, with the Forsaken, but no anti-large at all. It's it's it's, it's kind of weird. I've, I've looked through the roster, and it's like not a single one at all. At that all. being said, like he doesn't necessarily need it because, like, while he doesn't have anti-large, he does have mortis engine effects, um, where he does damage to being in combat, and he has some brutal, brutal single entities. With some brutal abilities. Because the thing about Nurgle that's very sinister is you look at him, you go, oh, he's really slow. Like, his damage is good, but, like, I, I, like I'm kind of worried he's not going to be that good. But the thing is, you don't, you don't realize how much health he has until you're trying to burn through it. And yeah. the other thing about Nurgle is that the debuffs that he has are is just stupid. Like, mm. like, oh, okay, he's got fly, so when he enters combat, he gets way more melee defense. He mm. also has slime trail on quite a few single entities, which lowers melee attack at speed. Um, like, it is actually not hard at all for Nurgle to run up to elite units, and his units will be at, like, 40-plus melee defense, and he can easily knock your melee attack to zero. Which is just like... Uh. <laughs> like he, because the biggest thing for Nurgle is two things, in my opinion. Slime Trail, uh, or three things. Uh, a combo of three things. Slime Trail, which just passively nukes all enemies... Melee attack at speed. Um, um, Cloud of Flies, which passively buffs all Nurgle's melee defense as long as he's in combat. Mm -hmm. And uh, most importantly, is the Fly spell. The absolute, the first, the, the one of the most basic spells in the lore of Nurgle is uh, this Fly spell. I forget what it's called. But it's this, this spell that, uh, I think it's Cloud of Corruption or something like that. It, you throw it on an enemy and it nukes their melee attack. But it's very cheap, and if you overcast it, once again, still being very cheap, it's a huge AoE. And then there's healing under that. Like, Nurgle is just the king of sustained combat. Plus, tons of units in his roster have poison. Um, and uh, we also talked about kind of those necrotic effects with, like, kind of a mortis engine effect where the, when he's in combat, he's dealing damage constantly. Yeah. Um, he's a very, very nasty boy. Um, like very strong grinding effects. Um, I think Nurgle is actually probably the most horrifying to go up in a, like Nurgle is probably the best at defending in sieges because he can literally just castle around important points and let the towers do all the damage while he just sits there and stays alive. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like him a lot. Um, and oh, dude, the plague crafting system. So much fun. Plague crafting is fun. Uh, you can get it, uh, spreading really quick without really noticing. Because mm -hmm. I had it at one point that it was just spreading all throughout Kids Left and so on. I'm like, I, I, I remember I landed it on Cracker Drag because I was I, I moved my forces. Oh there. yeah, it'll just it'll just go. Yeah, it just kind of snowballed. It was it was nice. I think Kugaf has bonuses towards that. No, the extra spreading chance. Uh, he I believe he does have some. Uh, I think there's a skill in his skill tree that does it, or one of his army, or one of his faction effects. Uh, but there's yeah. also like a huge tech tree buff you can get for it. Um, and there's also like you can unlock plague effects that just make your plagues like spread easier or last longer. Yeah. Um, I mean I know my personal favorite combo is getting the plagues that last, or is getting it where I get a plague, and then I make it where it last three extra turns and it makes money every time it infects a new target like oh so good it's yeah, <laughs> so, so good the like, bonuses were really really good like the fact that they made a disease trait where you can uh you can add traits onto when you craft a plague you pick one of five basic plagues 
and then you can add two augment diseases to it. So, like, you can make a plague, and then you can make it where it causes, like, attrition damage, if it doesn't already, and slows the enemy. Or mm -hmm. it generates money every time it spreads, or it generates bonus Nurgle corruption, or maybe it, like, lasts longer, or it has a higher chance of spreading, or if a friendly army is infected with it, it allows you to summon units onto the battlefield, um, or improves your stats. Like, it has a lot of really cool things. Uh, but the the fact that they gave you the money-making one, I think is just so awesome. Because Kugoth can legit have, like, one of the best economies. Like, yeah. just spreading disease everywhere. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird, because you start off weak in terms of economy, and then if you play your cards right and you plan off a little bit, you can snowball in terms of cash. Like, no issues. Yeah, and, and it's it's very different from, like, Scarbrand snowballing. You know, Scarbrand is the kind of the classic Beastman or Warrior Chaos. You're always probably going to be in debt, but you have so much money that you make from killing that it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Whereas Kugoth is more that, like, no, your your economy is, like, booming. Mm. But, yeah, I like him. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, do, I do think he's not going to be for everyone. Um, Nurgle has a very particular play style. Like, there are different ways to play Nurgle. Like, you can kind of, like, have a... Uh, you can go very artillery-heavy once you have Kugoth and Soul Grinders. Um, you can also have, like, a very strong air force if once you're able to get Plague Drones um, with some pretty nasty shooting attacks also on the Plague Drones and the Exalted Plague Bearers. Those Death Heads, very short range, but they hurt. Um, but Nurgle's a very slow burn yeah. um, faction. Like, you are not going to expand very quickly. Um, you're going to need a ton of money just to like, like it, it's an interesting faction. I don't think it's going to be for everyone. I personally like it a lot, but it's, it's definitely not for everyone. It's yeah. I mean, you can expand quickly, but you have to be pretty frugal. And one thing I told everyone when I released my video is like, make sure that you, you work with as much as you can, especially infrastructure buildings as growth is so fast, especially with Korgav's buff there, because I guess uh, what was it? Uh, five, five growth, uh, five growth every province for all provinces per battle he wins, right? Yeah, he he gets explosive growth. Yeah, and it's it's insane because for every province, and you can just easily throw yourself into, say, for example, what I did early on is I took Korgav down to Kislev because I knew everyone was going to go attack me, and yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Plus, plus I wanted to stay away yeah. from Kairos. Yeah. And well, and there's like a super basic, like one of the earliest things you get with Kugoth is literally pick a province and just like you get plus 25 growth per settlement that gets infected with this disease. Mm -hmm. And so four settlements, that's 100 growth per turn. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. His, Nurgle is all about that growth. Um, yeah. the, the thing you need with Nurgle is money. Yeah. Um, that's the that's the that's the big challenge for him is how to afford everything. Mm. Um, but I think that's enough about the fat boy. Let's talk Zinch. How, yeah. how, how are you liking Kairos? Uh, very strong, very, very, very strong. Uh, I know a lot of people have been going, "Oh yeah, Corn's broken," but like Kairos can can throw out a lot of shit, yeah. man. <laughs> Kairos, like uh, people saw it on my stream this morning. Kairos can win battles. He has no right winning. Yeah. <laughs> By just because you can get practically infinite magic if you play your cards right. Yeah, it's it's insane. Have you done any um um what were, what were the uh, storm of magic battles with Kairos yet? 
No, I haven't. Those must be so stupid. They are, dude. They are. I have a line of uh, Exalted Pink Horrors, Kairos, and then two, um, two Iridescents flying around next to him. And I'm just... It's, it's, it's like a fucking gun show. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, Kairos is kind of nuts. Um, yeah. Like, plus, the, like, the lore of Zinch spells are just so much damage. They're mm. so... Like, literally, we were playing a fight where I got into this huge battle, and the AI was, like, kind of reforming, so I dropped a Gates of Zinch, and I got nearly 500 kills off a single cast. Oh, which is, is that, like... Uh, is, that, is that the stationary one? Yeah, that's the one that stays still and does just... like It, like, sucks people into it so they can't get out. It just does, yeah. like so much damage mm -hmm. uh, but the big thing is that so the thing about kairos that my opinion just makes him kind of obscene is his arm his starting army ability which mm -hmm. is that whenever you deal damage with a spell you fill up this meter and when you use the meter's ability you click it on a wizard and it not only makes your power not only allows you to take the magic you have in reserve and make it available faster it refills your reserves and that's on top of if you have glean magic, which allows you to steal magic from the enemy, which is like really not cool. Um, but it's awesome if you're playing Zinch. And he's like his shooting is devastating. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not it's 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 horrifying, especially if you smack someone with a spell, because then they have warp flame on them and then they just die instantly. Yeah. Like uh, a lot of people were a bit confused with uh, Zinch because I said it in my video, it's like, oh yeah, he he's very strong and like no 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 it's it's not it's like no yeah it, it definitely is you can even blue horrors which are supposed to be your weakest unit can turn into an absolute devastating pieces of shit man it is scary yeah like i i don't deny that like corn is like pretty decent at screwing with zinch thanks to lots of spell resistance and lots of like pretty fast melee infantry slanesh just craps on zinch um, but like everybody else in the game, Cathay, Kislev, Nurgle, it's a bad time when Zinch rolls up. Like, you know, it's like, oh God, I hope I have some cavalry. Cause if you don't have a lot of fast stuff to like get on him to stop him, like his shooting isn't crazy long range, yeah. but it's like, so like, if you have a lot of like good, like if you were playing dwarfs and you had a lot of like crossbowmen or Cathay and you have a lot of crossbowmen, you could outrange him and like, you could just beat the snot out of him. But yeah. uh, the problem with Zinch is that virtually every single unit in his army is going to be shooting at you. Whereas most armies, they're like, oh, I need some melee units and I need some shooting units. Like Zinch, you're just like, no, my melee is blue horrors, which also shoot. <laughs> and then when they're out of ammo, they're a meat shield. And then, you know, my pink horrors are behind them. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, he's very fun. Zinch yeah. is stupid fun. Um, his, his tech tree is a little wild. Um, mm -hmm. compared to everybody else, but, um, it's not, I'm, I'm really glad they changed the way teleport stance is where you have it at the beginning, but it just gets better when you upgrade it in the tech tree. I think the original concept for it was that you just didn't have it at all. And it, it takes a while to get it. Um, yeah. for, for that tech, like that tech, I think even if you were to optimize it, it's probably like 20 to 40 turns, um, to get to it. If you just ran to it as fast as you could. Um, but the, the system to screw with the AI is super fun. And I, I am genuinely so happy that the AI could also use it. Um, yeah. I've actually played quite a few campaigns where Zinch faction will steal one of my settlements or they stop me from moving for a turn. And it's annoying, mm -hmm. 
but like it makes Zinch feel like a threat. I feel like in, if this had been Warhammer One or even Warhammer Two, they would have made it with the AI couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, because like I, I don't I, I don't know if I have a specific example to mind, but like I, I guess Deathmaster Snitch, right? Like I don't think I've ever seen the Deathmaster Snitch AI actually use his abilities. I think he can. But like it's supposed to be really rare because I had this uh, campaign a long, long time ago where I saw uh, the Deathmaster was fighting against Grimgore. Grimgore had pretty much the majority of the Badlands and then he turned into rebels, which was bizarre, like really, really bizarre. Yeah, I, but, I, like, I, I think, yeah, someone in chat said that as well. Well, and it's probably because the AI is so slow about leveling its characters, generally speaking. Yeah. Like the AI is really bad about like spam leveling legendary lords. Um, so that that probably plays into it because Deathmaster Stench's campaign, his tactic or his abilities are locked behind Deathmaster's personal levels. Yeah. Um, so that's probably a big reason why. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, another person says that Ikit's AI starts with a nuke, but then he can never make any more, which is dumb. Like he should be able to make nukes. Yeah. Uh, because he it just makes him scary and fun to play against. Mm. Um, anyway, so uh, but like I, I think Zinch is great. The machinations are fun. Um, yeah, you can do some like you get access to I, I love that you basically start with the take settlements one or you get it like almost immediately, mm. um, which is very nice because it's a strong yeah. tech or a strong ability, but like they have some very smart restrictions on it. Mm. So for any, so you can steal a settlement from an, a faction and give it to anybody else. But the thing is, is that to steal a settlement, you have to be able to see it. It cannot be their racial capital um, and also like specific kinds of buildings Like you can't steal the Great Bastion from anybody. Um, but like, uh, so you can't steal a capital. So like if you fought the dwarves, you couldn't steal Kadasakadak from them, uh, but you could steal anything else. But the, the thing about it is when you steal a settlement, depending on how much Zinch corruption there is and also how friendly that race is with the race you're giving it to will determine the price. And you cannot give a settlement to a faction that that faction that you're stealing from is at war with. Um, so there are some very clever restrictions on it. Um, and if you're like, if you're just trying to steal a settlement that's like far away from you and give it to like yourself or somebody that has not great diplomacy with that faction, it is ludicrously expensive. Yeah. Like it could be like ten thousand, or I, I like just just an obscene amount of grimoires, mm -hmm. which would be a huge waste unless you were just really determined to be a jerk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, I think they're great. Uh, Kairos yeah. is super fun. He's very strong. Um, I, I I think Kugoth is less strong, but the plague system gives him just a lot of really cool abilities and a lot of customization. How you play your campaign, and uh, he's he's a good time. We're seeing. Um... We're seeing a, a lot of differences, obviously, with all the different factions. Because so far, what we've we've seen the Demon Prince, we've seen uh, uh, Nurgle, we've seen Corn, we've seen Zinch, and obviously Grand Cafe. They're all very, very different, which I think is something quite positive, you know. Because if we would have looked at Warhammer One, everyone was the same. Let's be honest. Just. Yeah, same. No, you're you're definitely right. There, I, uh, Warhammer One. There was very little variance between the different uh, races and factions, uh, and of course, um, Warhammer Two was less so. Like better, we, yeah, yeah. But this game is like it's totally out of the park. Yeah, which 
makes me uh it makes me hope for the future when it comes to potential reworks and all that because god some races do need it but um what i've noticed is and maybe that's just me but are you fighting more in the game yes much more yeah hey like, it's much more exciting uh, mm-hmm. there's and i think minor settlements are a huge part of that where i'm not just fighting land battles in, endlessly anymore um and also uh i think they also did a clever thing where like the auto resolve is like the higher diff it, it seems to change depending on your difficulty because i've played easy campaigns and i've played very hard hard and legendary mm-hmm. and it, it definitely changes depending on your difficulty and if yeah. you're on a high difficulty like you can auto resolve to like speed things up but it's gonna it's gonna punish you for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna make you. It, it's gonna be like, all right, you can skip this, but like, it's gonna hurt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I've noticed that. Um, I'm currently playing uh, a Demon Prince campaign, and I'm just, I'm near the end. But like, I realized I needed to be smarter with my armies. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't like just auto resolve. Even when I got to like pretty decent stacks, like I just couldn't auto resolve. Yeah, yeah, otherwise you're just taking, like, obscene losses. And, like, when you're yeah. in the Realm of Chaos, like, it's very risky to auto-resolve in the Realm of Chaos. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, but um, I think, thanks, thanks for the raid. Sorry, Rangers, we're, we're, we're doing a podcast. Hello, this is Lord Beards. I'm Lord Vester, so, so take this great book of grudges, also known as Nathan. Hello. Um, <laughs> so, uh, thank you for the raid. Hope you're all doing well. Welcome, welcome. So, uh, uh, in any event, uh, I think I think that's pretty good for that. So, let's talk. Uh, we got one last little thing to go over before we get into kind of the big discussion, which is uh, let's talk about LBO real quick. Um, so, of course, uh, for anyone that's been uh, wasn't aware that we had the Las Vegas Open this last weekend, or uh, I think it finished today, uh, which is one of the major um, tournaments for Games Workshop. They also did an LBO show where they showed off some new releases. Um, it was an interesting show um i i I think most people probably had a little like i i I had a great time i enjoyed what was shown but it was a lot less than what i was expecting especially on like the 40k side of things well this is gw right like and all respect to them and so on but this is a company who goes guys it's gonna be the biggest event ever and it's like four miniatures you know, yeah, I, it, I, and I think that's what kind of like was weird about it is there was so much like build up that they did for being like, this is going to be huge. And then it's like they did an announcement, like they, they had two announcements where they basically didn't show any minis. <laughs> like, they were like, look, kill team, here's one member of this kill team set. And oh, then. And then, the hey, yeah, here's Necromunda, and we're not going to show you shit. <laughs> it's like, what? Why? Why'd you even show it then? That really, really did fuck me off because I am, I'm a fan of Necromunda, and they're like, oh yeah, look, we're going, and we're we're going out of the city, we're going into the Ash Waste. You know, this is Gorkamorka, but we're not calling it Gorkamorka. And then, nah, fuck it, you're not seeing shit yet. It's like, what? Yeah, like Why? they had a, they had that cool little movie building up to this cowboy themed yeah. um, war band, and I was like, "Oh, this will be cool." And then they're like, "And it's gonna be great." Later, <laughs> it's like, "What the what what?" It is it is really really silly. Then we start getting like the the kill team thing. I got confused about because uh, in in theory, what I've been told is that they are a uh, they're a mix. Uh, so this new Eldari faction 
is a mixture of Drukari and yeah, they're they're uh, Eldar corsairs, so they're like a they're like a almost mercenary feel. So are we just gonna start hyping up for another Eldar faction? Like we already have four, don't well, we? Yeah. Well, apparently Eldar corsairs are like super like requested. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to be a full faction, which is probably why they're getting the kill team treatment, but you'll probably be able to take them with the other Eldari factions. Yeah. Um, if it works like Warhammer Underworlds. Um, uh, that being said, like the many look cool. I'm down for space yeah. elf pirates. Like, mm, all right. <laughs> Treasure planet, here I come. <laughs> Eldar needed a desperate update. So like, I I'm all for it. I think it's awesome. Um, like the, the problem is that it's like strange you, wh why are you only showing one yeah and that was the thing like it's it's we know it's a team versus team box set and i think there's been pretty heavy leaks saying that it's basically chaos space marines versus eldar corsairs yeah, it is. um uh i don't i don't know if they've officially announced that or whatever but um it was the they had it on the uh on the um uh on the actual web address it was eldari corsairs versus chaos space marines of course um, so like, I don't know. I feel like they should have just shown the entire Eldar team at least. And then they could have showed the Space Marines later. It was weird showing a single mini being like, doesn't this look great? Well, that's all you get. Yeah. <laughs> but onto the better parts of the show. Um, uh, we did of course get, um, a new horse heresy mini, my most hated character that Games Workshop has ever created, Kabanda. Oh, I love him so much. Fuck Kabanda. <laughs> Piece of garbage. I love him so much. He looks so cool. He looks great. I, I've never seen a Bloodthirster with that big of a tail. His tail is huge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, th I, this guy, he, he's big dicking all over the place, man. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? It's it's not yeah. a tail. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Uh, for, for anyone that's wondering why I hate Kabanda, uh, let, me, let me get a little bit of context here. Uh, it has nothing to do with 40k. <laughs> the reason I hate Kabanda... <laughs> is because during the Warhammer Fantasy End Times, which was a garbage fire for the most part, it had some good moments, but most of it was garbage fire. There, the ending was notorious because they had this huge buildup to each of the Dark Gods kind of had a moment in the sun. Like, Slanesh and Zinch didn't really get a huge moment in the sun, but Nurgle had a huge moment where he got, like, the Glotkin and all this stuff. And then when we got to Korn, we hadn't seen Scarbrand yet. Um, unless you read one of the accompaniment novels, which was like this total side thing from Black Library. It had not, like, you didn't have to read it. It wasn't really relevant to the game. But if you didn't read those books, you wouldn't realize that Kabanda basically, like, appeared and died immediately. Um, uh, fighting Malekith. But, uh, so, when we were building up, we, A, we got a new Scarbrand mini coming out with book five, Archaon. So a lot of us thought, Oh my god, here comes Scarbrand. He's going to be such a big deal. Because um, I think Scarbrand was part of the Bloodthirster kit, if I remember right. You could build as one of the three Bloodthirsters and then Scarbrand? Or is Scarbrand a separate kit? Uh, Someone in chat, let me know. Um, but um, in any event, I, you know, we I was expecting Scarbrand because he's like a big Warhammer Fantasy character. And what do they do? Well, the authors of the end times had checked out at this point <laughs> they were they were totally effing around they had set up all this stuff that wasn't going to pay off they oh he's separate okay never mind on that point then but uh they did all this just crazy shit and uh 
what do they do? Well, Korn sends out his big bad. Korn sends out the third blood hunt uh, to track down and kill Karl Franz and the Council of Incarnates. Uh, this this group that's so powerful that it's going to smash its way into Athel Lorien, where literally seven of the eight god figures are, and beat the crap out of them by themselves. And who does he send? Fucking Kabanda, who has never appeared in fantasy. He isn't a fantasy character. He has nothing to do with Warhammer fantasy. He is very, very explicitly a 40k character. For fantasy, we had Scarbrand. Scarbrand was ours. <laughs> like, I think he also shows up in 40k, but he was ours. Uh, he was a big deal in fantasy. And so instead of using a character we already had, um, Scarbrand, or creating a character who is, like, important or unique to the Warhammer Fantasy universe, they took a 40k character and were like, OC, do not steal from this other IP, and just shoved him into fantasy, and he's literally the big bad of the book. Like, he's the final... To an extent, he's the final boss of the second act. Yeah. So, Kabanda, like, just to make it clear how important Kabanda is in this last book of the end times, Kabanda appears leads the attack into Athel Lorin, obliterates Athel Lorin. It's implied he kills Emric and the Sisters of Twilight um, and all these other big characters. He fights his way into the center where he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Durthu, and Durthu's at god-tier power because he's killed Koadel and absorbed all the power of the Ancients. He's beating um, Durthu. Like, nobody can touch him. Like, all of the incarnates who are literal gods at this point can't hurt him. Like, they can, like, hurt him, but it's just, like, piss him off levels of hurt him, not actually hurt him. That's how stupid fucking powerful he is in this book. And so Teclis, in a moment of desperation, kills Lilaeth at her insistence to cast a big spell that teleports them all to Mindheim to get away from Scar uh, um, Kabanda because he's so OP. And we get there... Kabanda kills one of the incarnates after fighting Durthu and the other incarnates and fighting armies and being wounded. And like, they keep doing that bullshit where like he de gets dealt a huge wound and then it's just like, oh, it just makes me angrier. And then he gets a power upgrade for some reason. So he kills the incarnate of fire, he kills the god of fire, who at this point was uh, Caradryan, uh because Ungrim died earlier to Archaon. So he kills him. So now there's no more Incarnate of Fire. Uh, and then it all ends up being built up to this kind of stupid moment where Sigmar finally gets Galmaraz back. He kills Prince Azazel, who shows up for out of nowhere and then immediately dies. <laughs> Sigmar's demonic brother-in-law. And then Sigmar goes out and Kabanda's like, ah, oh, angry, I just killed an Incarnate, I'm unstoppable. And he charges Sigmar and Sigmar one-shots him. Yeah. Uh, so just and he's dead and it's like what the fuck just happened <laughs> what is this book so that's why i hate kabanda uh because he is literally a 40k insert character into fantasy and for that he should burn in the deepest pit of hell for all of eternity you see uh i like the character because of his 40k stuff that's fine <laughs> that's a totally different kabanda <laughs> yeah. well it's um the, the, the reason, and this is something that's always been very heavily disputed, it's like some of the authors were trying to kind of shoehorn the last little bit of Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer 40k are linked because of the warp. 
because obviously we did get a lot of stuff like that with Nagash mentioning the Emperor of Mankind and the others just by a very little loose tidbits, you know? Yeah, well, but it's it's stupid to make the connection that overt. Like, it's cute as an Easter egg thing. Yeah. But, like, because if you do it to the extent they did it, it just fucking destroys both universes. Like, it doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. But now I'm, I'm looking at the model and I'm going, I really want this in Total War. <laughs> <laughs> You can you can do it, just mod him, and then when you play Scarbrand, his mini shows up. Or maybe he could be like your exalted bloodthirster. <laughs> well, you see, I look at Kabanda because we're gonna need we're gonna need more Cornate characters. We don't have that many. If we look at it, there's like eight different uh, bloodthirsters, all of which with like two lines of law. Then there's uh, Skulltaker, there's Valkyria, there's Karanak, which I'm sure the dog's not gonna be a fucking legendary lord. No, but we better get him. I need my I need my good boy. Yeah, legendary but hero. Like, Give them to me. But there's not really that much. And obviously, if we do want the really cool ones, you know, they're going to have to stop sort of fucking going, oh, no, we're not going to do end time stuff. I promise. Because so, obviously, you know, Scar. So, so I, okay. So this is actually a perfect segue because now we're into the final discussion for today, which is DLC, um, which we've got a really cool thing to tell you about, but I want to finish, I want to, I want to capstone this discussion. So I will say, I, I, I do think that, I know this opinion isn't popular. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. No one's going to like it, but I'm going to say it. I don't think the Chaos God factions need more than, like, four to five Legendary Lords. Max. Yeah. Like, Scarbrand, Skulltaker, Valkia. Scar. Kabanda. I'd, I'd rather have, like, maybe Ichil Steersborn. Kabanda. No. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> No, back. <laughs> go back under your desk. No, <laughs> um, like I, I think Scar Bloodwrath should be saved for an AOS game because he's a weird. Oh yeah, Arbol the Undefeated. Yeah, there you go. There's five. Yeah, um, but Arbol fits with um with Norska. You know, it's just I, I don't know. Cool. He's he's kind of big for for Norska. I feel like Norska needs to be more like monsters and like. People that aren't fully decked out in armor riding demons. <laughs> like, Arbol rides a fucking super flesh hound. He's a little much for Norska. That could be his chaos pony. It's fine. <laughs> his chaos pony. Oh, God. I really hope we're getting a graphics update at some point that's going to make chaos steeds actual steeds. I fucking hope so. Cause... Like, listen, CA, I love you. I realize you don't, you like to recycle assets, but when warriors of chaos are bigger than humans, you can't give them human sized horses because it looks stupid. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's odd. I mean, it's historically accurate, funny enough, because I think Party Elite posted that on Twitter when they started going with the uh, with the horses around the time for the Middle Ages for us. So it's like, oh, this kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but I don't <laughs> but, like looking at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, no, like, there needs to be at least four DLC characters or FLC characters too for, for each of the gods. There needs to be variety. Scarbrand is cool, but Scarbrand and you know they, they kind of did a nice thing with Scarbrand where they didn't make him a fucking dumbass for, because obviously in the no, war, they, yeah they, they cleaned him up. Um, yeah, well they they made him like he is in the he shows up in a black he shows up in Thankful's Doom and he they basically use the Thankful's Doom version. Yeah, um, wish they had done that with Throg, but you know whatever. Yeah. But um, like we, we we need more. I, I want variety. I, I don't want another bloodthirster unless it's going to be someone cool like. Oh well, no! I, like I think I think the remaining characters we have are all very different. Uh, but let's talk about the exciting news. So Nathan, wh why don't you tell our lovely listeners here what what happened? 
What? Uh, what do you mean? The article. Oh, the article. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the thing that is why we're discussing this topic. Right, right. Sorry. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <What>? Russians. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, uh, there was a, a Russian interview with some of the de uh, developers, and it pointed to stuff that I, 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 pretty, I pretty much thought we couldn't ask. Because uh, I mean, we could, we could. I don't, I don't know. Like, it, I, I feel like game journalists get away with way more shit than we do. Yeah. So the uh, the Russian article kind of confirmed outright chaos tools. Which at this point, if you didn't think chaos tools were coming, fuck knows where you've been living. Because I mean, their lands are there. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they carved out like a fifth of the map for a race that just so happens to live there. Yeah. And then obviously there was a, some other type of interesting information there like for example where they mentioned dlc specifically for the mortal empires and so on which is um interesting and great not and specifically race they seem to be implying race dlc yeah um, so that means maybe you know dogs of war because obviously they're, they're an army book we haven't seen yeah but they did mention that they had come together for stuff that wasn't in that uh that never had an army book well that, try... that's where we are now Any, yeah. anything they make from this point forward after chaos dwarves not an army book yeah um, well dogs of war is kind of a eh, but they're gonna have to like do some stuff with them so let's yeah. let's 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 talk possibilities right let's get mm. let's get people un unreasonably hyped about something that we probably don't have any clear information won't see for months right because that's a responsible thing to do as <laughs> content creators so here's what i'm thinking Here's where I'm at. Naga of Koresh, chaos worshipping snakeman race with scary blood magic and very heavy southeastern Asian themes. Um, if you want, if you, by the way, dear listeners, if you want to see something really, really cool, uh, you can always go on to uh, the Total War Reddit, uh, where there um, are some artists that occasionally post. Uh, they have a fan project fe featuring around Koresh. Um, I have some nitpicks with it but it's a really really good base yeah. um to potentially make that race um mm. um hobgoblin conate pretty popular pick not in my highest five but like not any probably not in my top five but you know i could see it um to like just because getting a faction that's very strongly focused on uh like uh, that mongolian theme and giving us like a really heavy faction that specifies around cavalry and chariots as opposed to just one or the other would be kind of interesting. I'm just going to outright and say it though. Everyone's like, oh yeah, I want hobgoblins, I want hobgoblins. The moment they realize that they have to play a fucking skirmish faction with goblins, they're going to hate it. They're bigger they're goblins. <laughs> but they're all going to hate it. They're all going to hate it. Because they don't do the fucking skirmish tactics with stuff that can give you the skirmish tactics. You don't see that with like the Wood Elves. They instead play Gunline. <laughs> No, like, yeah, I know it is. It is funny that they're like, "Oh, I want a hobgoblin cane." It's like, so you want green skin wood elves, <laughs> but like only cavalry. <laughs> literally that. Literally that. Uh, but other, but it is a possibility. Mm. Um, you know, uh, other races that are kind of looming on the horizon. As much as a meme as I, they are deep ones, aka fishmen. It is possible, and they would be very interesting. Um, I would, I would love to see them of course the dogs of war um granted what is the dogs of war i think 
depend changes depending on who you ask. I know that I prefer it to be the Southern Realms plus Araby, uh, because I think that's the only way we're going to get Araby in the game. <laughs> I don't think Araby will ever be by itself. Um, it have been mentioned recently in Dilemmas about Araby and... You know, look, the sun rises, I believe. <laughs> like, I, I'd be happy to see it. I just, I just don't... <sighs> like, unless, unless they make... Uh, and this could be a thing. Um, unless they make, like, minor race packs, where, like, it is a race, but it has a little less, um, and it's, like, two legendary lords, not four. Um, yeah. And it's, it's more condensed to get, like, the core of the faction. Yeah. Um, and like, be like, okay, like here's Araby and they do have some like unique stuff going for them, but yeah. I will say cubicle seven has Araby in the dogs of war book. I like the idea of the whole minor race pack because well, Araby would only need two Lords. Same thing with like pretty much any, most places because like we, we there isn't a lot of landmass left, is there? Not so unless they of... change the way the map looks, no. Yeah. And if we go to say, for example, uh like I, I'm still hoping for a Kurgan themed DLC, which I, I know is gonna likely fall in like a Chaos Warriors or they're just gonna shoehorn them into Norska because blah. You know? Yeah. I um <laughs> Uh, and to finish the race thing, of course, and um, the, for yeah. me, for me, that's kind of like the viable list right now. And yeah. and uh, Naga of Koresh, uh, Nippon, yeah, sure, Nippon, Deep Ones, uh, Hobgoblin Kane, yeah, and Dogs of War. Yeah, I, I think I think those are the six. Although some of them not more than others, I think those are the six believable choices for genuine standalone races. Yeah, plus we've already started getting dilemmas in-game that have been hinting. They've been hinting at Inns, which they kind of... Oh, and is like all over the place. Yeah, you get like three. so, so many hints. It's amazing. No, I and... didn't forget Albion. They just don't get to make the list. Because, <laughs> okay. A lot of people like Albion. I will, like, mm. <laughs> like, they're cool. Don't get me wrong. They, they would make some great mercenaries. I just don't see them being a full thing. See, but th that works though. Like, if they, uh, with the idea that you had of mini race packs, that could be a one or two legendary lord thing in Albion. Because Rakaf would have to be moved, yes, but, you know, Rakaf. I think they, I, I really hope that whatever we end up with in the future sees some lords getting moved. Like, for example, Tretch needs to go to, f to his fucking actual camp and not be in the Dark Elf territories, mm, you know? Cause... I, I have mixed feelings on that. Uh, like, I, I kind of like Tretch there. Because if Tretch isn't there, then we just have no Skaven in Nagaroth. I don't know, man. They can just, like... They, there is a lot of minor Skaven lords that they can just bring in, you know, as but FLC then, or something. Yeah, but then they gotta waste money on more Skaven characters. Like, Tretch is... I'm I not Tretch complaining! <laughs> like, Tre I'm I, not complaining! Like, I think Tretch is really... I, I, I'm honestly fine with Tretch just because he has the Undercity. In, um, so, like, he can take over Crookback Mountain within, like, yeah. ten turns. Um, yeah. I, I don't think moving him is worth the effort. Yeah. Now I do. I do agree. There are a number of characters that need to be moved, but I think the biggest mm -hmm. way to fix that is to give us the whole planet. Give us the whole planet, CA. Do it. That would be do nice. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Give us the whole planet. Because like the only reason Lustria Bowl is such a goddamn nightmare is because mm -hmm. it's so squished. Yeah. If we had all of Southern Lustria and Western Lustria, where we had like the oceans all around it, 
Um, they could like move everyone around and just be like, oh, okay, some breathing room. Um, uh, and also same thing for the Southlands. Like, uh, for people that really want to see Araby or like at least Dogs of War giving us like an Araby Lord, because I I want I I need an Arabian legendary Lord. I don't care how he gets in the game. I need at least one. I want yeah. I want like I want like a cool badass. Um, um, Al Mukta, just bring me Al Mukta. Ah, uh, Al Mukta is not Arabian though. He's just he's a Talayan. Yeah, still. No, not still. <laughs> I'd rather have the Golden Magus than Al Mukta. But they they, they confirmed the wasn't the Golden Magus already confirmed dead though. I haven't what, heard that. One of one of the one of the Arabian characters is dead in the Vampire Coast trailer. Uh, it's when they you know when they do the announcement with the with the map and so on. Mm -hmm. the, it was either the Golden Magus or someone else was dead. Well, Go Golden Magus is the only Arabian character. No, there was a few. Let me just. Uh, in the in the Dreadfleet book? No, no, no. It was just in general. It was a minor thing, but in the Curse of the Vampire Coast. But I mean, I I I want a wizard. I want a wizard of Araby. Cause that's like that's something they're super famous for. Is like, give me like an Amir or a Sheik. That's like this really badass sorcerer dude. Was it this trailer or the other one? They could bring back Jafar. <laughs> they don't need to bring back Jafar. Jafar is a little too on the nose, I think. I'm looking for it now. Uh, uh, I mean, they could just bring back. Uh... Well, Jafar wouldn't work anyway because like he, I, I, I don't like this timeline fucking man. Don't bring <laughs> me like it's cool. Rapunzel is awesome and all that shit, but don't use that as an excuse oh, to do okay. that again. So, so chat saying Jago Roth is the guy who's dead. From no, Jeff no, 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 no. The, he's. Uh, I'm trying to find it. It's not on this one. I'm checking. I'm actually checking it as I'm talking to you guys. Oh, okay. It's just they did a lot of fucking trailers. <laughs> um. I mean, the the big thing for me is that I just I just want Araby to have a fresh coat of paint. Um, that that's that's my biggest thing is that like I really want them to get like a cool new character who represents Araby, isn't tainted by Zinch. Like maybe he has to like deal with some Zinchian stuff, um, and maybe he's like a little like he's not anti Zinch per se, but I don't just want him to be a Zinch puppet, which is what the Golden Magus would have been, um. The Cathay treatment, yes. The, I, I want everybody to get the Cathay treatment, um, but uh, like I'm, we I'm can have a new type of dragon that everyone can ship. Not, not that one. <laughs> not that. <laughs> not that part of the Cathay treatment. Um, uh, I, I would very much uh, like to see Araby just get some, get some, get some love. Um, but uh, just because there's there's a lot of cultures that are kind of like smashed together to create Araby. Um, but uh, in any event. Um, I, I, I do, I do love that this article, and it's something we heavily suspected, you know, I don't think it's huge surprise that we're going to see a lot more races. Um, but I, I really hope they go all in on it. Um, like we know well, that Gates Workshop is bringing back even more races for Warhammer the Old World. Like there's been mention of a centaur race. We don't know the specifics of that, but like, if they're cool, I'd be oh, fine go. getting them. Golden Magus, uh, all fleet, uh, all, all, all hands lost. Real oh, interesting. Well, and that would make sense because the Golden Magus like pretended to die, uh, where he like he lost lost himself in the maelstrom and started messing around with stuff. Um, no, no pygmies, no pygmies. Nope. <laughs> Why does everyone keep wanting the fucking pygmies? They they don't. They just like being edgy dipshits. Um, we need to make that one of our band words, <laughs> timeout words. 
Um, Listen, like if you guys want to be cringe and so on, I've been saying this on the Total War Discord and everything. You want end? It's Cat Boys from End. <laughs> I don't think I don't think people who are fans with End would appreciate that. That's, you hear someone in the back being like, "That should be a Napon unit." How dare you? <laughs> How dare you restrict my Cat Fem Boys to End? How dare you, sir? That's cultural appropriation. <laughs> Um, right. Let's, um, are you sure Almokta was Talian? Yeah. Uh, yes, because I just read the uh, fifth edition Dogs of War book where he's oh. in it. He's he's a Talian that like uh, goes through. He's he's based on a myth from our world. Um, I don't remember what the myth is called, but there's a myth in our world of a guy from like Europe, a white dude from Europe who like ends up making his way to the Middle East and ends up becoming some kind of hero. After going through a lot of shit. Like, Al-Mukhtar's cool, but I don't like that he's not Arabian. Then there must be a character. I know that there there was... Lawrence of Arabia, thank you. He, yeah, he's based on Lawrence of Arabia. There must be something. That's who Al-Mukhtar is. There must be one. I'm looking through... Uh, I'm looking through a few places. It's just the fact is... We... It was obviously as a as a culture we had a lot of lore, but it was shoehorned into the Bretonian Crusade stuff. Mm -hmm. And well, then just, we got a few things. We hadn't really gotten to much. like King's Workshop just didn't really say much about Araby after the Crusades. Like it's been a few hundred years. <laughs> uh, uh, minus the mean, he's an uh, he's Arabian. Minus the mean that he is alive. Yes, yeah. Minus the mean is still around. Um, yeah, he's he's not he. Uh, once again, I think I would prefer like some kind of wizard, but because um, like here's my thought, my, I, and I'll just I'll say this, and if you agree with me, great. If you don't, that's also cool. I would love to get like an Astalian queen, Borgio the besieger for Talea, um, okay. some sort of like douchebag, asshole mercenary focus, maybe like black powdery character for the border princes, like Leopold the Black. Like he's from the Empire. Yes. Uh, but like Leopold the Black would be perfect. He's got the perfect disposition for a border prince, and then, and then I would look. And then for the magic lord, I would want a like a sheik or an emir of mm. um, Arabia or Araby, whose whole yeah. thing is like he summons big scary things. Like he's like uh, elemental incarnate of fire, elemental incarnate of death, elemental incarnate of beasts, which we have in the Forge World book. Um, to serve as the jinns, because in the old lore, the jinns were basically just like demons, uh, or they were like these really basic elemental creatures. Um, I would much prefer him to get the uh, the same principle, but base them on the incarnate elementals we got as part of the monstrous arcanum, because the monstrous arcanum incarnate elementals are beautiful designs, yeah. um, and that would allow and Araby would bring the monsters into the dogs of war, like they'd be so important. Because they would bring the big things. They'd bring the elephants. They'd bring uh, the incarnate elementals as the biggest monsters. And they'd bring the camel knights. Fuck, give us give us flying carpet, Cav. I don't care. <laughs> um, but I would love this Amir character. Like, could you imagine, like, this big, like, very wealthy-looking guy with, like, this, like, beard. And he's got, like, the, you know, he's got, like, a cool turban hat thing. And he's riding on, like, a big war elephant, like, casting spells and like has a bound spell where he can like summon an incarnate, incarnate elemental like mm, so good 
See, my my issue uh, is because you know that's a lot of cultures. Whereas the 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 um, uh, the border princess, of course, is just like a bit of a mix. Yeah, border princess is kind of like a fill-in. And if we look towards the old world stuff, th remember, Estalia and Talia now have different uh, different crests. Yeah, I agree. I just, I just, I just, mm. it's splitting them up gets it's messy, man. Yeah, but like, imagine it this way, right? So, um, we could have something really fucking cool, uh, if we split it up to like the whole idea of like minor race packs, right? Okay, I, I agree. Have... I, I I do agree there. Yeah, yeah. because like uh, Spaniards could be Estalian, uh, Sorry, Spaniards uh, could be like conquistadors at very early Spain. You know where the uh, the armor and the look was kind of uh, pretty, but out there. You know, and so on. Then uh, Talia would be like based on Renaissance Italy, but also with a little bit of Roman hint to go on the the Lorenzo Lupo thing. Yeah, and for Remus, uh, the city of Remus is very like old school. Exactly. Like, so, okay. So here, here's a question for chat, and we can even do a poll on this. Um, Actually, I'm genuinely yeah. curious. Would chat prefer an idea where you get like the dogs of war? So they, they kind of have combined cultures, but you get these really authentic units that have the ability to mix and match. You get, and they have like, so we know we have a mercenary system with outposts and everything. So imagine this race having like insanely good bonuses to mercenaries and the alliance system and being very good at recruiting units from other factions. And they're kind of like a, we're not the strongest nations, but we're, we're, but they get like a fully fledged DLC where they get like unique mechanics four very full fledged Lords and a big fat juicy roster. That's these cultures mixed together. Or would you prefer a, like a minor DLC separate for each of them? So they get a smaller roster than, most races in the game they get one at best two legendary lords but they have their own identities and their own completely unique rosters um but you know they would have significantly less funding and time than if they were the dogs of war but they would also get to be completely standalone and thematic i'm, I'm curious which would people would prefer yes, I, I see it like that man like if you could imagine that would be super cool if we had like little mini race packs and we had all these different uh, possibilities. It, like, man, I, I, I would love to have a proper Arab faction. The same thing as like, I put, I, I'm sure people get pissed off if Kislev was just another supplement to. You know what? Uh, I, I, I honestly think you've swung my, my opinion on this. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I hadn't really considered them because here this is something i've talked about on stream and i really want to say it now and i really need to start saying it every time i'm anywhere public ca needs to stop doing lord packs um and make better types of dlcs yeah um the, i i think lord packs are terrible i think mm -hmm. they're garbage um we always get one good faction update and one shit faction and I think it's they need to change the way they do things where they do new kinds of DLCs that are focused and that everything in the DLC is important. So, like, if you're going to do a race update, do one. Like, if you're going to do Warriors of Chaos, just do the Warriors of Chaos. Don't give me Warriors of Chaos versus Empire and then do a super shit job on one of them. Um, and also, mi minor race packs, I think would I think that would be gold. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. Like, 
Oh, fine. Give me an Albion DLC. It has one legendary lord and a unique roster. But, like, thanks to the new outpost system, even if they don't have the most unique, biggest roster, they can supplement their roster with allies. And yeah. other factions can supplement their rosters through Albion. Yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly think that would be such a good idea. Well, not, is, not one lord at a time, Nifty. Like, imagine if they did, like, a, like oh, we're doing an, uh, an Empire DLC. And as part of this Empire DLC, you get Boris Toddbringer, fully playable. Kurt Helborg as a new legendary lord. Um, you get, uh, like, Ludwig Schwartzhelm as a legendary hero. Like, you just get a ton of shit. Like, you get wow, multiple nice. legendary lords, multiple legendary heroes, multiple units, and they update the faction to give them new mechanics. Instead of one legendary lord per team with one generic character per team and three units per team. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be so much better to just do one guy and go whole hog and then like, okay, we're done with this faction, let's move on. I mean, if you uh, if you look at the most recent DLCs for Warhammer 2, uh, Twisted in the Twilight, yeah, it fixed up a lot of stuff for the Widows, but the Widows also did have a really bad time with the item building system. Yeah, they, had, they had to do a complete another... They practically had to do another free LC just to get yeah. the Wood Elf part finished. Because what happened? Who were they playing against? Skaven! And who's going to get the most attention? The Skaven. Yep. Nakai versus Wolfheart. Um, Nakai is absolute horseshit. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the Empire got a really, really nice update, but it still wasn't 100%. It still feels kind of like not half-baked, but like 90% baked. Um, Lizardmen have gotten screwed every single time they show up. And, like, they got the most lords, but they got yeah. the worst updates. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, unfortunate. It is really unfortunate. Oh, we're being uh, raided from Legend. Hey, Legend, how you doing, buddy? But uh, it's it's one of these things where if we look towards uh, so wolf, uh, bloody hell, that's a lot of people. How you guys? Uh, what was he playing today, Nuggle? Yeah, I think he was playing Nuggle, wasn't he? Yeah, I just I'm I'm sick of Lord Packs. I don't want him anymore. Yeah. I'm sick of Lord Packs. I, I want mini race packs. I, I want, I want, well, thing is, then we go mini, the, the, what constitutes a, what constitutes a mini, uh, uh, a mini race pack and a full race pack? Because like, say for example, we know a lot about Indolore right now, and I want, I, I want like four legendary lords, man. I want a cat boy, and, uh, you know, I want a, uh, like I think Can you well, please one, say Tiger Man and not Cat Boy so we don't I get so we don't we don't get flamed because people are like Nathan wants to put his fetish in the game. <laughs> right, so like a Tiger Man. Um one of the godheads for like the Indian culture would obviously be what? Like uh it was an elephant man, wasn't it? Uh Gilgamesh? In Indian uh Ganesh, I think. But like Indian Indi or Hindu religion has like an obscene amount of things that you could turn into just amazing yeah. fantasy monsters and characters and stuff exactly no they've got an awesome pantheon they've god got damn awesome it nathan my chat is full of people saying "Ooh, now this is your fault <laughs> um in any event no i agree well like and, and that's the thing i think the, the thing me and nathan want to express is when you have a lot of like a large landmass with an established warhammer fantasy culture um that is like a it's it's big and there's nobody else already there is kind of the most important thing then we say big race pack chaos dwarves big race pack four legendary lords full thing and big legendary lords for you know four legendary lords big race pack full thing 
Um, Albion, one legendary lord. Araby, two. Uh, Talea, two, one or two. Border Princes, probably one. You know, um, you know, places where there's just not a lot of guys or there's not a lot of space. Um, and that's it. It's most predominantly going to affect races that live in the old world because yeah. the old world is cramped as fuck. And CA, in my opinion, I think in me and Nathan's genuine, honest opinion, if he's cool for me speaking for him here, goof the fuck up when they yeah. stuffed a, just a shitload of characters in Araby for no reason. There's this weird fucking thing with i don't i don't know why ca has done it i don't know uh because i i look at the old world map for reference now that the stuff the gw shows off and it doesn't look that scrunched but fucking hell man a lot of everything is just what the fuck happened to tala beckland <laughs> well well i mean the warhammer 3 map we're gonna ignore because it's obviously like very bizarre it, it's it's like you're looking at a globe, so it's very weird. Like, it, it works for what they're doing with it, but it's, you know, hopefully they're not using that for anything else. Um, but I do agree that the Warhammer 2 Mortal Empires map needs to be fixed. Um, yeah. Like, they they took the Warhammer 1 map and then just squished some shit on. And yeah. it is bad. Mm. Bad. Um, a lot of stuff is very improperly sized. Like, I'm I'm fine with the old world being that big, I love it being that big, but if it's going to be that big, then everything needs to be appropriately adjusted to be an appropriate size. The only thing yeah. they should shrink is the ocean, because no one wants to sail for like 30 turns. Naval <laughs> DLC, for fuck's sake, we have a game series called Nano War. Naval DLC! It's it's never going to happen. It is I know, never going to happen. I know, but they would make a lot of money. Like, they might as well just make a new game and then try to find a way to port it into Total War Warhammer 3. That would be easier. There we go, Total War Warhammer 4 Naval Battles! <laughs> <laughs> just keep milking this fucking shit man everyone loves it you know what i want a proper glow for mortal empires no i want the entire planet but i want it flat like um warhammer yeah. 2 i don't i don't want a globe when you say globe you make me think warhammer 3 which is globe and it looks like i hate it like it, yeah. it works great for the warhammer 3 campaign but mm. if you were to use that for anything else i would be very upset it kind of confuses me like when i start a game because the um it, it it points to a different direction doesn't it you know yeah now now but if you're asking when i want a globe do i want a button that when i'm at the west side of the map i can teleport to the east side yes i would love that either that make it cool. yeah like i don't i don't need it to be seamless like that could be too much work i don't need it to be like when i get to the eastern edge it like it's just like seamlessly moving with me like i you could just have it where there's like a a, a there's a there's an edge of the world and when i hit that edge i click a button and i'm now on the other side <laughs> uh, that would be fine <laughs> so i've actually got a question for you since we've been talking about mini race packs and so on right okay. so there's loads of established kind of like sub races for certain cultures that we've not really heard about a lot or just like they've been given one line or something like say for example we know that say for example in the very far parts of the northern and southern chaos race in the warhammer fantasy world there are demonic beastmen uh yes the demon kin um what beast do you kin, think demon kin. so possible here's, here, here's my general rule of thumb I think, um, which I, I think would be a smart guiding principle. If you have a race that is located to a, 
a roughly a small like either a city to a small state size so halflings amazons uh demon kin and they're like they're not nuanced right there's not like a lot of different variants on what they're capable of they're fairly one note i think they should be a there should be a mechanic with a like a dogs of war free lc or dlc where you if you go to that area you can recruit them as a unit um and like depending on how they fit with your faction so like oh hey i went to i went to the uh the the temple of rig or i went to amazon island in lustria since i'm in this settlement and i own this area i can recruit amazon units and there's like maybe one or two variants oh i own the moot okay well i can recruit uh halfling mercenaries a couple of units oh i control uh the southern chaos waste i can recruit demon kin uh i think it's great for these things to be in the game but the one the races that are like super one-dimensional and there's just not a lot of like when it comes to warfare like halflings have a lot of culture to them because they're in the empire but like when it comes to warfare they're very one note then i don't think they need to be a race uh make them a mercenary unit now if you're dealing with a race that has a country and it's like notably sized and we know they have armies and there's like a lot of troops and they have like storied characters and stuff estalia talea uh, araby but they're not like one of the big players or they're smushed then minor race pack um, and then lastly, your big boys, guys that have almost continent sized territory to themselves. They are major players on the world stage and they are like, can shake history. That's your chaos dwarves. And those are your major race packs. That's how yeah. I think it should be divvied up. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. The only thing is like, I'm getting greedy from a point of a Warhammer fantasy fan. Because many of us obviously uh, grew up at the tabletop and we saw little tidbits of stuff here and there. So I want to see it all. And then in that Russian interview, they were like, oh yeah, we want to do everything. It's like, well, do everything. Like literally give us everything. I will, I will not, I will add, if CA wants to go, that's cool, but we're just going to do a major race pack for every single race in the game. I will fucking happily take that up my butt and I will say thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I, I want to see, I'll tell you. I like, just, I, I just... I, like y'all know i try really hard to have realistic expectations yeah. because if there's one thing i think our community needs to be a little better about it's not like trying to want everything and then getting angry when it doesn't happen yeah. <laughs> i think it's better to have realistic expectations and if we get more than that great <laughs> yeah well th there's a few things actually now that you mentioned that uh say for example I know a lot of people weren't too keen on the recolored stuff. And I know a lot of people here aren't too keen on it, what the, our viewers right now. Um, I'm okay with the recolors coming from a tabletop player's perspective. Like the Forsaken and the Chaos Spawn and so on. In fact, I've found them quite useful for certain of the factions. Uh, so I don't mind. I do believe that eventually we would probably benefit from getting a few updated looks for like the chaos yeah. knights of Inch and so the, on the literally the only unit that like i feel strongly needs unique assets on the guys is the doom knights um the yeah. rest of it i'm kind of like you know i don't really care like from a tabletop perspective that's what it would look like so for me it doesn't mess with me and it's yeah. not like they're covered in undivided symbols anymore yeah um that being said like i i, I understand what people are saying 
And I will say, y'all have made a huge fuss about it, so I, I would not be surprised if CA does something about it. Yeah. Um, but do be aware these things take time. Yeah. I, I was actually really surprised about the uh, about the Doom Knights because uh, we had a model which was a character, I believe, from the Storm of Chaos, wasn't he? It was the father, right? Because his son had the chicken head. I do not remember at all what we're talking about. Xinxian character who rode in the disc uh, around the Storm of Chaos. He was one of Archeon's lieutenants. I I don't ha have him memorized off the top of my head. Right. No, it's just because I remember his son has a chicken head because uh, he's also a model. <laughs> uh, but he was essentially the Doom Knight inspiration and he, he had like a nice robe and everything and it made him look pretty cool. And in my head, when I heard the description of Doom Knights before we saw the uh, artwork and so on, I was like, oh, it's it's definitely going to be something like this because this would be fucking cool. Well, you know, the thing is, if, if, if you look at the minis, what CA very obviously did was that, um, and I, to, for the people that are like, ah, Zinch got screwed, I think it's important to understand how Zinch got screwed. Um, not, not that he really got screwed, but it's that like, when you look at Corn, all they did was they made the Skull Crushers, and then said, "Oh, we have these new guys on the backs of the uh, Juggernauts." So they took them off the Juggernauts and put them on foot, and were like, "Look, new Chaos Warriors." Yeah. Um, th that's all they did, and they did the exact same thing with Slanesh, Is that they made the Hell Striders, and they were like, "Now you're an infantry unit. Look, new Marauders." Zinch, they did. They didn't do that because it seems like they made the Chaos Knights of Zinch first and were like, hmm, we had to make these discs for the characters. It'd be nice if we could use these for something else. Chaos Knight. Doom Knight. <laughs> um, so that that's that's what happened. Um, I'm not saying if it was a good thing. I'm just saying that's what happened. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, is that CA, they always recycle assets where they can. It's just this happened to be one of those times where everybody noticed. <laughs> yeah. I'm cool recycle with recycled assets. I still think that, like, say, for example, putting the Suneshi Marauders on foot was a smart idea. Mm. Like, because no, I, loved I, it. It was I always loved that. Like, I thought, like, oh, damn, we needed this on the tabletop. It's something that I always was very vocal about. And in fact, Dude, I, I, I need actually two nights on the tabletop. Like what? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But like that's something like they needed to do more. Uh, Corn got the advantage because, like you said, the juggernauts are this. It's just a different thing, but it's literally just the juggernaut rider on foot. It's literally just that. Uh, it, it's this is why I say it's oh you know it's a recolor reskin. It's just literally that. But. I, yeah. I, I hope we get something in the future. It's... Yeah, I, I hope they will address it. I, I, I am yeah. totally in that camp. I would love for all four Chaos Gods to get a visual update where any Warrior Chaos units that they have get totally unique assets and looks. Um, and uh, maybe they, if they have some free time, they could also maybe go take a double peek at the Exalted Lord of Change and tweak him a little bit. He's he's no, he's he's, uh, he's he's a little not as inspired as the other three. I don't know. I haven't really used them much, to be honest. Uh, when they become really big targets like that, it's like rip. Yeah. Well, I, and I what I mean to say is that if you compare the exalted greater demon to the regular greater demon in all the god factions, Zinch's is much less unique right, compared to the right. other three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just that. 
I, I do hope that we'll get some updates. I, I'm cool if we don't. Like, By the way, someone just, in chat says the character you were thinking of is apparently Melek the Changer. Yeah, yeah. And Sysbeth. Sysbeth is the kid. Yeah, Melek Sysbeth, the Changer is dead, apparently. Yeah, because uh, the, the, it's it's a really cool miniature. I'll, I'll, uh, how can I And, and that, it is worth something worth noting. And like, people are going to have different opinions on this. But like, when it comes to the Warrior of Chaos stuff, like, to be a fair point, like, Anytime they're going to spend creating new models for all of the Warriors of Chaos to look like, look like have very unique God-specific models instead of just undivided with recolors, that is time that could have been spent making something new. Yeah. Like, that's... Uh, like, if they end up doing that, that could have been a new monster, a new character. Um, so, like, you kind of have to think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I, I don't mind that they're going to look uh, visually different, but then again, we, um, I know a lot of people don't like use, using mods, right? But we have amazing fucking modders in our community. Like, yeah. Amazing. Like, even just looking at OVN Lost Factions, you're just going like, holy crap. How can that just, how can that be a thing? They've created new factions, new mechanics, new units, new this. Like, I'm not too bothered with stuff being recolored again same thing tabletop like, yeah well and i think that's what colors our perspective so heavily is we look yeah. at the game from a tabletop perspective where i think as a lot of people look at it from like a video game pers like an out not have not played tabletop and are looking at it from a video gamer's perspective which is very different yeah it's just like obviously how how, how many years did we have those chaos warriors on like the, the actual miniature <laughs> well deck like you mean before aos where we got unique stuff well yeah and they still sell this current box too yeah, um, uh, easily a decade. Uh, well decade over a decade. Uh, yeah. They're seventh edition minis, I think. Seventh or Six. sixth. Six, sixth. I think, six, yeah, yeah, I think the well, we have new Chaos Warrior sculpts now, but you can only get them through a very specific box, which is stupid. Fuck you, Games Workshop. Release them as a separate box. But um, yeah, the the current were uh, like Chaos Warriors are sixth edition minis, which means they're actually probably near twenty years old. Some of the Skaven miniatures. Uh, Oh, oh my dude. age, dude! Yeah, yeah, no. The scape, some of the Skaven are like as old as we are, if not older. Yeah, they're like yeah. approaching thirty. <laughs> and that, that's why, like, everyone's like, "Oh yeah," because it doesn't look nice. It's like, oh man, but they I, I mod my game, man. I, I've seen these people yeah. with all but, these amazing recolors. Yeah. To be fair to everyone, that's like that's not a valid defense. It's just oh no no we, no. It's just what? how we feel about it. Yeah. Plus, uh, I want new shit. I yeah. won't, I always infinite, want new infinite shit. shit. We need infinite yeah. shit. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, we actually need to call it. We are way over time, um, hilariously yeah. over time. So uh, thank you all so much for joining us. We hope you had fun this week at Lorebeards. Um, we will have even more to talk about next week because another embargo will have dropped and we'll be talking about something a little more sensational, perhaps. But yeah. uh, we'll also have some other further subjects. Um, if you want to uh, have your mini shown off because you're painting and you finished something or you have something from prior months that we didn't show off when we were on hiatus and you want us to see it, Throw it on Twitter, hashtag Lorebeards. Um, if you put it in my Discord, then before the show, I will put it up on Twitter for you if you don't have a Twitter account, but I really appreciate it if you did it yourself. Um, and uh, we will be discussing some other topics. Um, if you, By the way, if there's ever anything you want to see on Lorebeards, you could hop on Twitter and use that hashtag Lorebeards tag, uh, tag to give our get our attention and suggest some topics um, for future shows. I'm happy to look at those. 
Um, so hope you all have a lovely day. We're going to go ahead and wrap up. Nathan, you got any closing words for everybody? Well, yeah, just uh, thanks for popping by. Obviously, uh, you know, it's every Sunday we're doing this. Um, Rama, you've got to paint up uh, the character for two weeks' time? Yes, two weeks. You have to, uh, well, you don't have to, but we, if you want to join in on the Tale of Two Gamers, you have two weeks from today to finish a hero. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm painting Beastmen and my, my soul's just dying inside. I'm so. trying to finish Nighthawk. Oh, we didn't even talk about the new Nighthawk minis. I'm just going to say they're sexy. They're so fucking sexy. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, they literally made me into a Nighthawk. The book, dude, it's me. They, like, they really like crossbows, though. Like every single faction yeah, is now getting crossbows. But hey, I'm not complaining. Shoot, shooting is very meta right now. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk about some AOS stuff next time. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the meta. We'll talk about it next episode. So uh, thank you all so much for listening. We gotta go. Uh, thanks so much for watching. Bye guys, Nathan. I'll see you later, dude. See ya.